front cover text. The Women's IP World Annual 2022. Celebrating the work and achievements of women who work in IP, IP law and innovation. Influential, empowerment, IP, leadership, innovation, inspiring, entrepreneurship, knowledgeable, and tenacious. Profiles, articles, rankings, experience, achievements, accolades plus much more inside. The Women's IP World Annual 2022 is sponsored by Patent Seekers, the global IP searchers in the United Kingdom and Lex Orbis Intellectual Property Attorneys in India. Page 2. Inside Front Cover Advertisement. Your trusted partner in the U.S. With over 15 years' experience in global trademark portfolio management. Kalamaris Law Office. 250 Most Influential Women in IP, rated by Super Lawyers. Stacy C. Kalamaris. Superlawyers.com. Trademarks. Copyrights. Licensing and Counseling. Opposition. Cancellations. Expungements. Advising your business is our trademark. www.klolegal.com. Info at klolegal.com. Chicago, Illinois, USA. Page 3. Editor's Note and Contents Page. Dear readers, another year has gone by, just like that, in a flash. We hope you feel like you have some normality back into your lives and that you all see more light at the end of the tunnel that has been very long for all of us. Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited have been working tirelessly over the last year to bring this little ray of sunshine into your lives as we continue to shine the spotlight on influential women at all levels working in IP and innovation internationally. Once again, our annual publication has flourished and bloomed into a beautiful flower, attracting some exceptional authoritative lawyers, practitioners, associates, and business services providers that we are incredibly proud to be affiliated with. We want to thank all the prodigious women that we like to call leaders for sharing their knowledge and experiences of working in the industry, some even more so candidly on a personal level that we are sure a few of you will be able to relate to. We are incredibly proud of what our annual publication has achieved over the last three years as we continue to celebrate the work and achievements of women in IP law and innovation. The remarkable stories and content that I have had the pleasure of reading and editing fill me with joy seeing how far we women have come. We rock. And long may we continue. Elvin Hassan. Editor and Head of International Liaisons. Contents. Women's IP World 2022. Page 5. Women's IP World 2022 Opening Letter. Leadership Through Service, Building a Better Society, and a Better Self. Written by Tiki Dare, 2021 Interpresident. Page 7. Lex, Orbis, Co-Sponsor Opening Letter. Written by Manisha Singh, Partner at Lex Orbis, India. Page 8. Patent Seekers-Co-Sponsor Letter. Written by Catherine Parry, Sales and Marketing Manager at Patent Seekers, UK. Page 10. A podcast just for us. Michelle S. Katz, Founding Partner at Advitum IP, LLC. Law Firm Profiles, Bios and Articles. North, Central America, and the Caribbean. 
Page 13. Advitum, Partner Profile and Article. Could this be a crackdown? Justice for trademark owners long overdue. Written by Michelle. S. Katz, founder partner at Advitum IP, LLC, Chicago, USA. Page 17. Lumon, Partner Profile and Article. The Metaverse, NFTs, IP in the Virtual World. Written by Laura Caleda, Managing Partner at Dumon, Mexico. Page 21. Caribbean Trademark Services, LLC, Partner Profile and Article. Where we are in 2022 with the Caribbean Trademark Practice and as Caribbean Trademark Practitioners. Written by Keisha Fleming-Lake, Managing Attorney at Caribbean Trademark Services, LLC, Anguilla and Florida Offices. Page 25. Abdul Rozak and Associates, Partner Profile and Article. New Certification Trademark in Haiti Harem. Written by Vanessa Abdul Rozak, Partner at Abdul Rozak and Associates, Haiti. Page 29. Foga Daily, Partner Profiles. Diane Daly McClure, Founding Partner. Nicole Foga, Managing Partner. Rachel Lodge Corey, Partner at Foga Daily, Jamaica. South America. Page 33. Estrategia Heredica, Director and Attorney at Law, Profile, and Article. A Checklist to Protect Your Brand from Intellectual Property Crimes. Written by Claudette Vernet, Director at Estrategia Heredica, Colombia. Page 37. Towel and Checker Advogados, Council Profile. Christiane Manzueto, Towel and Checker Advogados, Brazil. Europe. Page 39. Pat Pol, Managing Director and Partner Profiles. Isabella Dudek Abanovich, Managing Director, Pat Pol-European and Polish Patent and Trademark Attorneys. Alexandra Kriska, Deputy Head of Trademark and Design Department and Trademark Attorney, Poland. Page 41. Sijin IP, Partner and of Council Profiles. Anna Gerzelak, Ph.D., Managing Partner and Malgozata Sikas, LLM, of Council, Sijin IP Gerzelak and Partners, Patent Attorneys, and Attorneys at Law, Poland. Page 43. Vaknina and Partners, Senior Partner and Patent Director Profiles. Tatiana Vaknina, Senior Partner, Russian Patent, and Trademark Attorney, Eurasian Patent Attorney. Elena Yukina, Patent Director, Russian Patent Attorney, Eurasian Patent Attorney, Vaknina, and Partners, Russia. Page 44. Orbis IP and Law, Managing Partner Profiles and Article. Speak so I can see you. The Role of Women in Leadership. Our editor, Elvin Hassan, hosts a candor with two influential women in the world of IP. Turkey. Page 46. Destek Patent, Partner Profiles, and Article. Trademarks and Social Media. Written by Claudia Koya, Manager and Managing IP Consultant, Destek Patent, Turkey. Page 49. Dreyfus, Partner Profile, and Article. Gender Washing and Greenwashing, Mother Nature, Emblem of the Instrumentalization of Societal and Environmental Struggles by Tomorrow's Entrepreneurship. Written by Natalie Dreyfus, 
founder and managing partner at Dreyfus, Paris, France. Page 54. Interpatent, partner profiles, and article. Blockchain and IP, seen from the perspective of Italian IP practitioners. Written by Nicole Gorlia, Simona Mantovani, Maria Cristina Goicoacea Marjlef, and Manuela Bruscolini, at Interpatent, Italy. Page 58. Troller Hits Troller, Article. The Swiss Brand. Written by Ursula in Alban, partner at Troller Hits Troller, Switzerland. Page 61. Syrian Jones IP, Partner Profile. Dr. Syrian Jones, Syrian Jones IP, Founder and Director, UK. Africa. Page 63. Stillwater's Law Firm, Article. The Challenges of Artificial Intelligence on Intellectual Property 1. Written by Deborah F. Tolly Wallace, Associate at Stillwater's Law Firm, Nigeria. Page 67. Jackson Etty and Udu, Partner Profile and Article. The African Continental Free Trade Area, Implications for Brand Owners. Written by Ngozi Aderabigbe, Partner and Head of the Intellectual Property Department, Jackson Etty, and Edu, Nigeria. Asia. Page 71. Lex, Orbis, Managing Partner and Partner Profiles and Article. Court illuminates upon the overlap of copyright infringement and confidentiality law. Written by Manisha Singh Partner and Ritika Agarwal, Managing Associate at Lex Orbis, India. Page 74. L.S. Devar and Co., Managing Partner and Partner Profile and Article. Initiatives by the Indian Government to Encourage Women Participation in Innovation and Entrepreneurship. Written by Drive, Joshita Devar Kamani, Managing Partner and Principal Attorney at L.S. Devar and Co., India. Page 77. United Trademark and Patent Services, Senior Partner, Profile, and Article. Working Women and the COVID-19 Pandemic, A Perspective from the Middle East. Written by Maria Khan, Senior Partner at United Trademark and Patent Services, Dubai, United Arab Emirates. Page 80. Julius and Creasy Article. Enforcement and Protection Against the Unauthorized Disclosure of Undisclosed Information under the Intellectual Property Act, No. 36 of 2003 of Sri Lanka. Written by Anomi Wainagaskra, Partner, and Sabira Sheriff, Associate, at Julius and Creasy, Sri Lanka. Industry Business Services Profiles and Articles. Page 83. Patent Seekers, Article. Does Climate Change, and Its Effects, Differentiate Between Gender? Written by Claire Gibson, Senior Patent Analyst at Patent Seekers, UK. Published by Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited. Carlos Northern. Founder and CEO Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited Publisher of the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World. Carlos at Northernspmarketing.com. Elvin Hassan. Editor for the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World. Head of International Liaisons for Women's IP World. Elvin at womensipworld.com. Craig Barber. Head of Design for the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World. 
Info at northernsprmarketing.com. Sandra Spencer. Sales Director, Asia, and the Middle East. Northern's IP Media PR and Marketing Limited Publishers of the Global IP Matrix Magazine and Women's IP World. Sandra at northernsprmarketing.com. Ashling Lenahan. Marketing and Creative Design. Northern's IP Media PR and Marketing Limited Publisher of the Global IP Matrix Magazine and the Women's IP World Annual. Ashling at northernsprmarketing.com. Page 5. A letter from Inter, written by Tiki Dare, 2021 Inter President. Leadership through service, building a better society, and a better self. Tiki Dare served as the 2020 President of the International Trademark Association, INTA, and is Vice President and Associate General Counsel at Oracle Corporation, Redwood City, California, USA. While numerous qualities and actions make great leaders in my mind, Leadership through service stands out, to one's employer, to one's community, and to society at large. Brand owners and professionals who embrace this approach are poised not only to enhance their professional lives and personal satisfaction, but also to bolster the trust between brands and consumers and to narrow the gap in diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, that exists worldwide. On an individual level, brand professionals, whether climbing the ladder or already at the top of it, can pursue multiple paths to demonstrate leadership through service. An important contribution is mentorship. Critical at all stages of my career and that of countless others, mentorship rewards mentees with knowledge, skills, and insights while enriching more experienced colleagues with the rewarding feeling of giving back or paying it forward. Often there is even a mutual gain in insights. While formal mentorship programs can strengthen career advancement, informal channels also can foster lasting and impactful professional relationships. The genius of Inter's committee structure, for example, is that it naturally cultivates connections and exchanges of information among global brand professionals. These relationships can include mentoring or peer-level exchanges. Participation nurtures leadership skills, helping brand professionals transition step-by-step in their careers. Simple human kindness, so needed in our world today, can lead individuals on the right path as well. In the legal profession, the late U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg took women under her wing, with powerful results. Judge Margaret McEwen of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, San Francisco, California, USA, who has lectured throughout the world on intellectual property, IP, among other issues, was one of Justice Ginsburg's many mentees and friends. In an interview last year on Inter's brand and new podcast, which paid tribute to the notorious RBG, as Justice Ginsburg was sometimes known, Judge McEwen recalled how when she was in law school, she cold-called the then-law school professor for help with a paper involving sex discrimination. Professor Ginsburg sent back a sheath of helpful materials. It was such an important kindness for her to kind of reach down and help a law student, Judge McEwen said. Another guest on the same podcast drew an even richer picture of Justice Ginsburg's heroism. The reason she was a model was that she used her talent and her time to create opportunities for people who otherwise wouldn't have them. I think people saw that, and they saw it was real. They needed it said Professor Mary Hartnett, adjunct professor of law at Georgetown University Law Center, Washington, D.C.
USA, a women's rights activist, and co-author, with Justice Ginsburg, of the best-selling book, My Own Words. Looking beyond the familiar to colleagues with different backgrounds in different parts of the world enhances our experiences and makes us better leaders. Cultural diversity enriches the human experience, makes us better people, and makes for a better world. By embracing diversity and creating and nurturing an inclusive environment for all, we build a society in which every human can unleash their true potential. Never has it been clearer, all of us, whether on the path to leadership or already in a leadership role, must shoulder some responsibility for achieving this. We must invest in and preserve diversity to innovate, bring new ideas to market, and thrive. We must push for employers and policymakers to recognize the power of day. Day is critical because it's about people, those who have been left out or left behind. It's time to right-size these inequities. We all must lead the charge and embrace day to help those in need of opportunities and foster the next generation of leaders. For brands to be leaders through service, they must increasingly pay attention to their corporate social responsibility, CSR, initiatives, including day. Globally, consumers, clients, employees, and investors, as well as inter-members, are all demanding attention to this issue, as they should. Consumers are clearly looking to brands for leadership on social issues. They expect their brands to reflect their values, and they are vocal about their expectations, on issues of sustainability, diversity and inclusion, workplace conditions-slash-benefits, and other highly politicized issues, noted Inter's in-house practice of the Future Think Tank report. Further, according to the Edelman Trust Barometer Brand Trust, 2020, Nearly 75% of consumers say that a brand's impact on society is a key reason for trusting that brand. On target with this sentiment, the association's 2020 Brands and CSR survey report found that inter-members largely view CSR as a social obligation that benefits brands economically and otherwise, but not all brands fully understand and or have taken advantage of these benefits. Inter will soon be releasing a CSR best practice guide, prepared by the Brands for a Better Society Committee, to assist brands in this endeavor. By investing in day and other CSR initiatives, a brand directly speaks to consumer trust, the very essence of the brand-consumer relationship, and addresses consumers' expectations of brands. Devoting time and resources to CSR, alongside devoting time and resources to IP protection, can help IP professionals and brands foster and preserve that trust while building a better society. In addition, from a business standpoint, studies show strong links between diversity in leadership and financial performance, outspokenness on day issues and employee retention, diverse teams and innovation, and diversity and client retention. Inter's IP law firms of the future think tank report cite studies that show some headway among law firms, such as a gradual increase in the representation of women at the partner level and some progress in advancing the interests of LGBTQ and racial and ethnic diversity of lawyers. Yet, this movement chugs along on the local rather than the express track. And it's yet to be seen how it will play out in the post-pandemic environment. Despite all the reasons why organizations should embrace day initiatives, the report concludes, law firm statistics remain below that seen in senior leadership roles in other sectors, and there is still much work to be done to address the imbalance. 
The encouraging news is that organizations are investing at an unprecedented rate in day programs. According to a PwC Global Diversity and Inclusion Survey, 76% of those surveyed now say that day is a value or priority. Further, noted in the Pulse Survey of 2021, 56% of business leaders are planning to increase training in this area. Taking on this issue aligns with a general trend among brand legal teams of an expansion in their professional scope, requiring them to become savvier in other areas beyond trademarks. According to Inter's in-house practice of the Future Think Tank report, the brand legal team of the future will provide fast and business-relevant advice on a variety of issues affecting brands, whether traditionally considered to be in the marketing, legal, digital, or regulatory space. It further notes that sustainability and CSR live at the heart of a brand's reputation. As brand guardians, the brand legal team should understand and incorporate these themes into their work, collaborate with these functions, if separately handled within the organization, and own the additional workflows. Staying ahead of issues and having a nimble action plan in the event there is a misstep within the organization is critical to maintaining brand value. Inter recognizing that day and CSR fall within the realm of IP and brands, has been examining this vital, society-changing issue for the past two years. First, mirroring the association's strategic direction to foster diversity and inclusion, my predecessor at Inter, 2020 President Ajala Deutsch, launched the Women's Leadership IP Initiative with the goals of promoting the development of leadership skills for women in the IP field and supporting their professional advancement the action couldn't have been more on target, or more critical. In the Women's Leadership IP Report and Best Practices Toolkit released in 2021, the conclusions about the state of women workers worldwide are alarming, although unfortunately not surprising. It noted, the good news is diversity and representation of women in IP is higher than in other law firm practice areas, according to Diversity Lab's 2019 Inclusion Blueprint Report. On the other hand, The conclusion of the Global Gender Gap Report 2020, published by the World Economic Forum, that gender parity will not be attained for 99.5 years is startling and of great concern. While the desire for advancement is there, the opportunities fall short. Data regarding workers in European countries compiled by Catalyst and cited by the Women's Leadership IP Initiative report found women work more proactively than men to advance their careers. More women than men use recommended tactics to advance their careers, seek out mentors, and seek guidance to develop knowledge and skills, however, women receive fewer critical responsibilities necessary to advance. Moreover, the report found, as an increasing number of women are entering the legal profession, particularly the IP field, and awareness of the challenge women face is growing, women's leadership in IP is expected to grow in the coming years. Nevertheless, Women continue to face bias, often unconscious, across the profession and across cultures. Now a permanent inter-program, the Women's Leadership IP Initiative is working to address the underrepresentation of women in IP and bridge career development and leadership gaps for them, regardless of geographic region, job title, or job function. Building on this, the 2021 Presidential Task Force on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, set up under my presidency, has been exploring DEI through various lenses. When I first began my presidency, I heard from every corner that diversity, equity, 
and inclusion are top issues. Many brands intensified their focus on day after George Floyd was killed in May 2020, and it became obvious that this issue demanded more attention. And it became critical not to lose momentum. For the association, the task force objectives include measuring and tracking diversity, instituting day training for leaders and committee members, raising the visibility of day within inter- and affinity groups, and formally drafting a day policy, among others. For the wider trademark community, the task force has been eyeing ways to broaden access to the profession and, ultimately, the association, how to spotlight brands that are doing exceptionally well in day and other ways of addressing this issue. The 21-member task force represents diversity in its truest sense and brings tremendous insights, forward thinking, and passion. This bodes well for substantive recommendations and changes ahead. At Inter, leadership through service is woven into the fabric of the association. The three pillars of the 2022-2025 strategic plan cements this commitment, promote and reinforce the value of brands, build a better society through brands, and support the development of IP professionals. Over the next four years, a broad range of initiatives, programming, and resources will support these pillars. Individually and together, we can all do our part to invest in day and unlock the leadership potential of individuals, the inter-community, and IP and brands worldwide. Doing so will make for the best versions of ourselves and society. Page 7 Co-sponsor letter by Lex Orbis Intellectual Property Attorneys. Written by Manisha Singh, partner at Lex Orbis, India. Lex Orbis is back as the co-sponsor of the Women's IP World Annual Magazine. We couldn't be prouder of our long-standing association with the team at Northern's Media, working day and night to put together an annual supplement with contributions from the best of the legal minds around the world. This year, even as the pandemic has not subsided in major jurisdictions, we continue to learn and grow from each other, given our limited interaction and challenging circumstances. We continue to innovate against the odds. The past two years have been strange for everyone and everywhere. We witnessed one of the biggest public health crises during March to May, 2021, which resulted in an unprecedented loss of lives and resources for living. However, our vibrant society and the resilience of our communities rebounded back with no loss of time. We witnessed some path-breaking changes and reforms in the Indian IP space within these uncertain times. We have captured some of the important developments that have taken place in the Indian IP space in 2021. The abolishment of IPAB. The Intellectual Property Appellate Board, IPAB, was formed in 2003 to act as a specialized tribunal and appellate body for the resolution of IP disputes except for infringement cases. One of the objectives of the board was to expedite the disposal of long-pending appeals and lower the burden of the traditional court system. However, the functioning of the board remained a question due to extensive delays in filling up the vacancies of the board. Therefore, the government decided to do away with a forum that was not fulfilling its objective yet remained a cause of burden to the exchequer. The abolition of IPAB became effective from 4th of April 2021. With this, all pending appeal matters and revocation-slash-rectification actions before the IPAB were brought back to the court systems, mainly to the high courts at Delhi, Mumbai, Chennai, and Kolkata. The creation of the Intellectual Property Division at the High Court of Delhi 
expecting many IP appeals and revocation-slash-rectification actions to be transferred from the erstwhile IPARB. In July 2021, the Honorable Chief Justice of Delhi High Court announced the creation of the Intellectual Property Division, IPD, to deal with IP matters, including those which were to be transferred to the Delhi High Court from erstwhile IPARB. Next, the High Court circulated IPD Rules, 2021, for inputs from the members of the bar. The rules will regulate the matters listed before IPD and prescribes the practice and procedure for the exercise of the original and appellate jurisdiction of IPD. The Copyright Amendment Rules, 2021 The Copyright Amendment Rules, 2021, were brought into force in 2021. Under the new rules, some crucial changes were brought, such as an obligation was imposed on copyright societies to prepare and publish the annual transparency report for each financial year. The copyright societies were further obligated to keep the royalties of those authors who could not be identified or located separately in its accounts, to take all necessary measures to locate such authors and owners, and at the end of the three years, transfer undistributed royalties of such unidentified persons to the welfare fund of the copyright society. Also, the compliance requirements for the registration of copyright in software have been relaxed with a view to addressing the confidentiality concerns of registration seekers. As such, Every application for registration of copyright in a computer program may now be accompanied by the first 10 and last 10 pages of the source code, instead of the entire source code and object code, where the source code is longer than 20 pages. Virtual hearings at the IPO With the advent of video conferencing hearings conducted by the Indian Trademarks Registry and Patent Office and the ongoing recruitment of a large number of designated examiners on a regular and contractual basis, the Indian IP offices have embarked on a journey of smoother workflow, fast tracking of examinations and hearings, and rendering of more sound and prompt decisions. The Recommendations of the Parliamentary Standing Committee on Commerce on IPR The department-related Parliamentary Standing Committee on Commerce presented its 161st report on review of the intellectual property rights regime in India in Rajya Sabha on 23 July 2021. The report acknowledged the need to establish a robust and effective intellectual property rights, IPR, regime that encourages and incentivizes innovation and creativity along with securing the collective interest of the society. The Designs, Amendment Rules 2021. The Designs, Amendment, Rules, 2021 came into force on 25 January 2021, wherein startups were made eligible for a 75% reduction in official fees. The amended rules also adopted the current edition of WIPO's International Classification for Industrial Designs, Locarno Classification, in Indian design laws, with a proviso that the registration of a design in India would remain subject to the fulfillment of sections 2a, definition of article, and 2d, definition of design, as provided under the Designs Act, 2000. In other words, the articles defined under Class 32 of Locarno classification, graphic symbols and logos, surface patterns, ornamentation, would still need to undergo the test of article and design as prescribed under the Designs Act, 2000. The year 2021 witnessed many progressive strides in the Indian IP space across all major domains despite the hurdles of the pandemic. 
The same would go a long way in creating a more robust and conducive milieu for IP rights to be regulated and governed in a manner comparable with international standards. Page 8. Disclaimer. Article reference links and images relating to this article can only be seen in the print and digital versions of this publication. Patent Seekers, Co-Sponsor Letter. Written by Catherine Parry, Sales and Marketing Manager at Patent Seekers, UK. Catherine Parry is a valued member of staff and has been with the company since it was founded in 2005. Patent seekers have worked in IP searching since 2005. We have seen and understood firsthand that more could be done to even up the gender balance in IP and, as such, patent seekers are proud to continue as sponsors for a third year enabling the Women's IP World Annual Publication to proudly showcase the talents, stories, and news of women in IP globally. In 2005 when Patent Seekers was first established, most of our clients were male. At that time, we were a foundling company and clients totaled less than 50 in the first year, it's not surprising that our orders were mainly from clients identifying as male. In 2021 alone, we are pleased to say that we handled almost 2,000 IP searches, with 26% of our clients being female. This is a general statistic, as we do not ask or require clients to identify which gender they wish to identify as. However, it is robust and outlines that as a service provider, whilst we almost reflect the industry data, 28.8% there is still more to be done to ensure that we can engage and work with more female attorneys to even up the imbalance. What do we know of the searches we have undertaken for women? From a technology perspective, we know that women are more likely to instruct searches in the biotech, 35%, or chemical, 32%, areas. Not unsurprisingly, we receive fewer search requests from women in the general and mechanical field areas, which likely reflects the well-publicized data that women are more likely to enter the profession in the biotech and chemical sectors. For example, the American Bar Association in 2020 stated that women are well represented in biotechnology and chemistry, but only accounted for 11.4% in electrical engineering and only 11.1% in mechanical engineering. Diversity in Patent Law, a data analysis of diversity in the patent practice by technology background and region. What type of searches do women instruct? The most popular type of searches undertaken were patentability searches, 44%, with freedom to operate searches being the next most popular, 26%. Invalidity searches, 8%, were less requested, and as a result, we've provided an overview of when the search is useful and why you should carry out an invalidity search. Invalidity search, also known as patent and design busting or strength analysis. During the defense stage, there are three main factors to consider. Can you attack an obstructive patent or design that is preventing your client's freedom to operate? Can you attack a third-party patent or design that your client is accused of infringing? How strong is my client's patent or design against an attack on its validity? An invalidity search aims to identify literature on a patent or design that could be used to formulate an attack. To do this, the results generated will fall under two categories, based on their priority and publication dates. For patent busting, the first category of results encompasses all prior art, patent and non-patent, 
published in the public domain before the filing date, or the priority date if it is entitled to it, of the patent in suit. A well-structured invalidity search will uncover documents that were not cited by the examiner at the time of patent office examination that could be used to show a lack of novelty of the claims or may be used in combination to generate an attack on the inventive step of the invention. The second category of results would include patents found relating to novelty-destroying art that falls into the equivalent patent category, i.e., equivalent patents on the territory with earlier filing-slash-priority but published later than filing-slash-priority of the patent in suit. This art is also known as Section 2.3 Art, UK Patents Act, Article 54.3 of the EPO Patents Act and likewise for other patent jurisdictions. Similarly, a patent or design strength analysis search can be used to compile an assessment of the vulnerability of a patent or design against an attack from a third party who may supply evidence against its validity. This is an important tool when looking to purchase or license a third party patent or design or whether you are looking to increase the saleability and value of your own patent or design. A strength analysis search will use the same search parameters and methodology as an invalidity search. In 2020 it was encouraging to see that there is an increase in the number of female students registering with SEPA, 34.5% in 2020 compared with 27% in 2019 this is a significant improvement, and we applaud this and look forward to working with many more female attorneys going forward. If you would like a copy of our guide on selecting the most appropriate patent search for your client, please reach out to us at marketing at patentseekers.com. Page 10. Article. A podcast just for us. Authors make great podcast guests. Do you know how we know? Because for over a year, one of our own, Michelle S. Katz has hosted Authors of the Women's IP World Annual on a podcast that can be found on all the usual podcast channels. Presented on behalf of Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited publishers of the Women's IP World Annual and the Global IP Matrix magazine, based out of London, the Women's IP World podcast was born. This podcast is a conversation series featuring the inspiring women and authors of, you guessed it, the Women's IP World Annual. Its host, Michelle S. Katz, is one of the first contributors to the magazine since its inaugural issue. She's the co-founding partner of the law firm Advitum IP based out of Chicago, with over 20, 20, years of intellectual property, IP, experience. Hence, a veteran host, active in the field and dedicated to inspiring women across the IP legal sphere, was a perfect fit. This podcast aims to begin a dialogue with the amazing women in IP from around the world, discussing their timely publications beyond just the words on the page and breathing life to the people behind the articles. The success and drive of these women is clearly expressed in their work and serve as a testament to empowering future leaders in IP. Speakers come from all around the world and are given a chance to elaborate on what brought them into the world of IP and how they came to write about their given subject matter. Speakers are also talking about their lives outside the workplace their drives and passions, and stories that have shaped them as the IP leaders they are renowned for being. Intellectual property law touches on a broad range of topics, many of which have been featured in the podcast and women's IP world publications. Topics have included the effects of COVID-19 in the field and our practices, anti-counterfeiting, 
augmented and virtual realities, regional nuances of patent and trademark law, gender in the workplace, and more. The Women's IP World Podcast creates a discussion around today's relevant topics and introduces listeners to the authors. Due to Michelle's diverse experiences in the field of IP, she delves deep into the background of the guest speakers and provides unique commentary for listeners. Both the publication and the podcast are always in search of new, contributing authors to feature. If you are interested then, please make sure to contact us today at plus 44-0203-813-0457 or email us at infowomensipworld.com. Episodes are released monthly and are available at www.womensipworld.com forward slash podcast. Same page. Strip advert for the Women's IP World Podcast. Women's IP World Podcast. Check out the WOMN's IP World Podcast hosted by Michelle Katz, founding partner at Advitum IP, LLC in Chicago, USA, on behalf of Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited, throughout 2022. Page 11. Women's IP World 2022. IP Law Firm and Business Profiles and Articles. Sponsored by Lex Orbis Intellectual Property Attorneys in India, and Patent Seekers, the Global IP Searchers in the United Kingdom. Page 12. North and Central America and the Caribbean. Sponsored by Lex Orbis Intellectual Property Attorneys in India, and Patent Seekers, the Global IP Searchers in the United Kingdom. Page 13. USA Country Profile. Name, Michelle. S. Katz. Law Firm, Advitum IP, LLC. Country, USA. Position, Founding Partner. Website, www.advitumip.com. Michelle Katz, the co-founder of the intellectual property law firm Advitum IP, LLC, based out of Chicago, has provided powerful expertise in client counseling, strategic analysis, licensing, prosecution, and litigation in all areas of intellectual property law for 20-plus years. Her diverse skill set and drive to deliver results applies equally to obtaining trademark and copyright registrations and issued patents, as it does in obtaining favorable outcomes in state and federal court and before the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board, U.S. Customs, and the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit. As a certified mediator, Michelle has also brought parties to creative solutions for their disputes. She is passionate about giving back in a meaningful and measurable way. Her firm, in collaboration with her family, started a scholarship fund in the name of her beloved father, an icon in the IP field, and annually funds a master's scholarship in the innovative sciences at the Hebrew University, Israel. In the same vein, Michelle created an online program that mentors law students and new lawyers all over the world in all aspects of professional development and goal attainment. An advocate of education, Michelle is also on the speaking circuit. She has spoken on high-level IP topics at global conferences as well as locally to business owners and students. As far as accolades go, Michelle was included in I Am Strategy 300, the world's leading IP strategists 2019-2021, she was selected as the only U.S. attorney to be featured in this inaugural issue of the Women's IP World Annual Magazine in 2019 and every year since. Now, 
also a host for the Women's IP World podcast. Recently, she's been recognized as an International Advisory Experts Award winner, a global alliance of well-established and experienced legal, financial and consulting firms, included in Marquis Who's Who in America, the standard for reliable and comprehensive data for today's leaders, selected as a leading lawyer, included in the top 100 alumni we love from her alma mater, the Hebrew University, voted into Illinois Super Lawyers, and a winner of the Corporate Intel Magazine Global Award for Trademark Litigation Expert of the Year in Illinois. Michelle has passions outside of the IP world as well. She enjoys spending time with family, including her four children, traveling, refining her foreign language skills, getting her heart rate up with outdoor activities, riding her Peloton bike, and relaxing with food, wine and whiskey tastings, which she turned into an educational Instagram blog at ordained underscore foodie. In the summer, she spends a week volunteering at La Semana, a week-long culture day camp for adopted children from Latin America and their families. Fostering cultural understanding has always been an integral part of Michelle's personal life and Advitum IP's business practice. Finally, Michelle believes that no child should be without a loving home and founded the Plus One Adoption Foundation, a not-for-profit organization with a mission is to increase awareness and financial support of adoption in the family planning space, at Plusini Adoption on Instagram and www.plusiniadoption.org. Page 14. Article. Could this be a crackdown? Justice for trademark owners long overdue. Written by Michelle. S. Katz, founder partner at Advitum IP, LLC, Chicago, USA. www.advitumip.com. An unsuspecting trademark owner receives an urgent envelope in the mail warning them that their trademark will be cancelled unless they immediately send a payment for nearly $1,000 to a company that appears to be the United States Patent and Trademark Office, USTO. It says Patent and Trademark Office in the header. It even comes with a postage-paid envelope for your convenience. If this situation sounds familiar or if you ever received the following or a similar letter, it is a scam, so discard it immediately. Trademark filing scams are growing, both in number and sophistication. The USTO has tried to combat scammers by issuing warnings to trademark owners, working with law enforcement, sanctioning filers who violate USTO rules, and more. Despite all these efforts, the scammers keep getting more sophisticated and owners keep getting conned. The sheer number of scams has gotten so bad that the United States Patent and Trademark Office has had to file applications for its own namesake. The Department of Commerce filed the federal registration of the USTO marks, specifically, the word marks USTO, 9865893, and United States Patent and Trademark Office, 9866020, and two designs marks USTO, 9,866,032, and USTO, United States Patent and Trademark Office, 9,866,054. To date, none of the marks has registered, but according to U.S. Trademark Commissioner David Gouda, the primary reason for the applications is to help the agency take appropriate legal action as needed to protect the USTO brand from improper use by those trying to impersonate or falsely claim affiliation or endorsement with the USTO. These notices, in addition to a slew of email scams, have plagued trademark owners for years, leading to confusion, panic, 
and oftentimes payment to fraudsters. Despite what has been a frustrating and costly scheme, it appears that victims might finally have a road to justice. In addition to the USTO's steps in applying for its trademarks to fight against the threat of fraud and scams, the courts have also stepped in against the growing epidemic of scammers. In an exciting turn of events, on September 15, 2021, a South Carolina judge sentenced a Latvian national, Victor Suhorkovs, to four years in federal prison and over $4.5 million in restitution for defrauding trademark owners in connection with fake trademark solicitations and renewals. He pleads guilty to mail fraud and to tricking consumers. Suhorkovs operated Patent and Trademark Office, LLC and Patent and Trademark Bureau, LLC, which both closely resembled the official USTO, and sent renewal notices with misleading trademark registration expiration dates. These notices required victims to sign and return the notice in a prepaid envelope. After receiving the signed notice, this prompted Suhorkovs, and other scammers, to send an invoice to the victims, charging them an inflated price for renewal. Given that Suhorkovs was not an attorney and the marks were not actually in the renewal period, the marks were not renewed, naturally keeping his illegal gains. More than 2,900 victims were identified in this fraud perpetrated by this one individual, but these scams have been an ongoing problem for years and are unlikely to cease in the near future. With this most recent court ruling, however, there is hope for the victims of these scams to receive retribution. In the event that you or your company receives a solicitation, make sure to review the sender and all the information listed on the notice. Trademark scams and notices often contain typos and grammatical errors. Additionally, as can be seen from the notice above, the website is listed as ptos.com, which is not the official USTO website, https colon slash slash slash. Moreover, in reading the fine print, these fraudulent notices often contain language such as, so-and-so is a private company, not associated with any official governmental organizations, this is an optional offer, and this document is not a bill. Likewise, all official correspondence from the USTO will be sent via email to the individual that filed the trademark. This could mean either the trademark owner or directly to your designated trademark attorney. Correspondence from the USTO is strictly sent via email, and it clearly indicates that it is being sent from the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Additionally, the sender's email address will end in usto.gov, and the physical address will be in Alexandria, Virginia. For additional tips on scam awareness, the USTO identifies 10 helpful considerations, https colon slash slash gov slash trademarks slash protect slash scam awareness. If you are represented by counsel and receive a notice like this in the mail, throw it straight in the garbage. You will be alerted by your attorney when it is time to renew. If you are not represented, then you may be vulnerable. Misleading and deceptive solicitations are a good reason to have trademark applications filed and managed by an experienced trademark lawyer who can screen out these types of fraudulent mailings. Remember, the USTO sends notices to the attorney of record or directly to the applicant if there's no counsel of record. That is why it is imperative you keep your contact information accurate and up to date. If ever you have questions, contact an experienced trademark attorney. Page 15
Advertisement. A calming influence in a chaotic IP world. Hackers. Counterfeiters. Squatters. When too much of daily professional life is filled with the stress of IP portfolio management, many companies and entrepreneurs turn to Michelle S. Katz. Calm. Focused. Thorough. Michelle provides a calming approach to managing IP assets. With nearly two decades of experience, Michelle conducts trademark searches, prepares opinions, and monitors trademarks to confirm that her clients' intellectual property rights are used properly and effectively. She manages copyright registration portfolios in addition to familiarizing U.S. Customs with client designs in an effort to stop counterfeit goods at U.S. Borders. In the area of patents, Michelle litigated complex patent litigation matters including such varied products as textiles, hard disk drives, airbag covers, and interface transfer technology. She also manages patent portfolios to ensure U.S. and foreign patent protection for clients. Her client results have earned her recognition by Super Lawyers Magazine and Illinois Leading Lawyers. In addition, she is a founding partner of Advitum IP, an intellectual property law firm. She also is a past president of the National Association of Women Business Owners, NABO, Chicago Chapter. Bask in the calming influence of effective IP portfolio management. Contact Michelle today at mcats at advitumip.com or call 312-332-7710. Learn more at www.advitumip.com. Trademarks, patents, copyrights. Domain names, litigation, customs. Page 16. Advertisement. Dumont. Your ideas, our business. Your trusted IP advisor in Mexico. Your ideas. Protected. www.dumont.mx. Page 17. Mexico. Profile. Name. Laura Caleda. Law firm name, Dumont. Country, Mexico. Position, managing partner. Website, www.dumont.com. With more than 30 years of experience in the IP field and as the managing partner of the firm since 2008, Laura is a dedicated strategist and has acted on several milestone cases. Laura leads most of the firm's large and complex cases. Furthermore, Laura has a high profile, both locally and internationally. She is regularly invited to speak for Marks, Ouya, Asipi, Fikpi, Api, and Inter and is a renowned teacher at several law schools. She is very active in promoting the Madrid Protocol and has lectured on the topic domestically and abroad. Laura's practice covers the complete life cycle of IP rights. However, since the recent dramatic changes to the Mexican legal framework, she has been increasingly dedicated to promoting the Madrid system among clients and the new opposition system that entered into force. She also continues to design strategies for clients as well as litigating. Laura is one of the only two women in Mexico who is the managing partner of an IP law firm and a three-time recipient of the Best IP Lawyers in Latin America Award of Euromoney's America's Women in Business Law. 
She has written about IP for national newspapers and international IP magazines, Women's IP World Magazine 2019-2020, Why is Everybody Talking About Cultural Misappropriation? Expert Guides Women in Business Law 2019, Cultural Misappropriation, Where Mexico Stands. She was invited to be part of the expert team to work on the wording of the amendments to the Mexican industry property law. She was asked to write, among all the experts, the initiative of law and the exposition of reasons. This project of amendments has been introduced and presented to the Mexican House of Representatives and turned into law. Laura is a council member of Marx and project leader in the international trademark team. She is the Spanish deputy editor of Uya's Jurist magazine. Laura also leads the Madrid Protocol Committee at ASIPI. She is co-chair of the Standing Committee on Geographical Indications in API, a member of the famous and well-known Marx Committee of Inter, and a member of national and international professional associations, including APEF, a member of the board, ASIPI, Special Commission's coordinator of the Madrid Protocol, AMPI Mexican chapter of API, past chair of the Women's Committee, APLA, ECTA, and PTMG. Laura advocates for women's equality by seeking out female candidates and offering top positions to female lawyers. She is involved in several associations, APLA, UYA, creating awareness by speaking out about glass ceiling issues at events, including the APLA Women in IP event that took place at Dumont's office in Mexico City three years in a row, 2016. 2017 and 2018. Dumont, led by Ms. Caleda, proposed to AMPI, AP Mexican chapter, to create a women's committee to empower IP women lawyers, to research the sociological ground why there are so few positions for women in executive positions as well as to create awareness among the firms on our field, IP. The creation of the committee is a reality today. It was established, March 2017, and Ms. Kaleda was the chair of the Women's Committee for two years, 2017-2019. She is ranked in Chambers Latin America and Chambers Global as a leading lawyer, the Legal 500 Latin America, as a recommended lawyer, IP stars as Patent Star, Trademark Star, and Top 250 Women in IP, World's Trademark Review 1000, as a leading lawyer, Experts Guide, as Patents and Trademarks Leading Lawyer. Laura is also recognized as one of WIPE's influential women in IP. As one of the two only female managing partners of an IP firm in Mexico, Ms. Caleda acts as an icon to women who wish to advance their careers in this field. The women working at Dumont often choose to stay long-term to improve their knowledge and expertise here since they are met with far less bias than is often found at other firms in Mexico. This has made Dumont known as a firm in which women are empowered, acknowledged, and groomed as lawyers. Page 18 and 19. Article. The Metaverse, NFTs, IP in the Virtual World. Written by Laura Caleda, Managing Partner at Dumont, Mexico. www.dumont.mx Rumor has it that the hot topic for 2022 will be the Metaverse and NFTs, non-fungible tokens, and it seems it would be the right thing to say. The recent premieres of Spider-Man, No Way Home and The Matrix Resurrections are just two examples that it is a hot topic within millennials, centennials, and other generations. However, it is also a very important issue for companies such as Facebook, who recently changed its name to Meta, 
and other technology developers in which the debate about the metaverse, digital environments with presence and activities in the physical world is becoming the trend within technologies and investors who believe in this assumption. Also, companies such as Nike, who recently bought a virtual shoe company that makes NFTs, a trend that other luxury companies have shown starting on the metaverse. What is a metaverse? A metaverse is a network of 3D virtual worlds focused on a social connection in futurism and science fiction, the term is often described as a hypothetical iteration of the internet as a single, universal virtual world that is facilitated using virtual and augmented reality headsets. The term metaverse has its origins in the 1992 science fiction novel Snow Crash as a portmanteau of meta and universe. Various metaverses have been developed for widespread use, such as virtual world platforms like Second Life. Some metaverse iterations involve integration between virtual and physical spaces and virtual economies, often including a significant interest in advancing virtual reality technology. 1. As mentioned before, the metaverse is a recent trend, however, the concept has been around for some years. There have been quite a good number of series and movies that portrayed the idea of the metaverse in the past years, Black Mirror, Minority Report, Westworld, The Matrix, 2001, A Space Odyssey, to mention a few. Blockchain is one of the core technological interventions in recent times which have become popular in a short duration. It played a significant role in resolving the problem of double spend by serving as the foundation for Bitcoin blockchain. Subsequently, blockchain also served as the basis for creating NFTs or non-fungible tokens, which introduced the traits of interoperability and scarcity. 2. NFTs are a new class of digital assets, which are unique, indivisible, and immutable, they represent the ownership of digital and physical assets on the blockchain. It offers the prospects for unlimited business opportunities and social interaction. Metaverse and NFTs are different things, but many people blend them and assume that NFTs are just another component. What is really happening due to the wide range of opportunities is that many new projects are capitalizing on the intersections between NFTs and the metaverse. IP and the metaverse. What is happening is that today there is an economy in the metaverse. So, what about intellectual property, specifically trademarks, in the metaverse and NFTs? While researching the classification, for example, for virtual goods, I found unexpected results. I tried to look for virtual goods in the Mexican classification and couldn't find anything at all. I then used the platform called TM Class, and in Spanish, there is not a single national office that accepts the term. Finally, I used English as the searching language and found the following. The USTO accepts terms including this wording since April 9, 2009. 4. Class 42, Programming Virtual, Indicate Type, E, G, Articles of Clothing, Food, for Use in Online Virtual Worlds, Services. Class 35, Retail Stores Services Featuring Virtual Goods, Namely, Specify Type, E, G, Clothing, for Use in Online Virtual Worlds. Class 9, Downloadable Virtual Goods, Namely, Computer Programs Featuring, Specify Nature, Type, E, G, Articles of Clothing, for Use in Online Virtual Worlds. Class 41, Entertainment Services, Namely, Providing Online, Non-Downloadable Virtual, 
indicate goods, e.g., clothing, pets, furniture, etc., for use in virtual environments created for entertainment purposes. This does not include providing online virtual software as a fill-in. At the very least, it is surprising that the USTO has accepted the terms in its classification since 2009. Using English and Spanish, I couldn't find another office that accepts the terms of these goods and services in their classifications. With time, more national offices will accept these terms and will include more and will probably harmonize them. In Mexico, it is fair to say that a filing for any of these goods and services would take some time for our office to agree with and accept the USTO classification. As I said before, an economy is building up in and around the metaverse, and luxury players in the physical world want a part of it. It is not only Nike acquiring RTFKT, a leading brand that delivers next-generation collectibles, but luxury brands are using trademarks in a range of metaverse-related arenas, including downloadable virtual goods, virtual worlds and environments and virtual clothing used in virtual spaces. And on metaverse platforms with user-generated content, such as Roblox, Creators are currently selling clothes that feature logos from the likes of Louis Vuitton, Prada, and Chanel, as mentioned in a recent article on Vogue Business, https slash slash www.voguebusiness.com slash technology slash how to trademark the metaverse. As more players enter the metaverse with NFTs and other types of valuables, it is fair to say that opportunistic exploitation of trademarks, similar to counterfeiting, will occur in these virtual worlds. On the other hand, it is wise to recommend our clients file their trademarks for the metaverse. The best enforcement practice is to plan for the future and secure our clients' rights in these new virtual worlds. In the US and Europe, the numbers of this type of filings are increasing. Still, regardless of any classification issues mentioned before, we must secure rights in as many countries as the client is interested. Metaverse and NFTs will be a boom worldwide and quick. Also, we will have to think about licensing and distribution rights in the metaverse and be imaginative towards protecting our clients in these new digital worlds and digital assets. In Mexico In Mexico, so far, we do not have any IP legislation in connection with this topic, as it may happen in other countries. Classification is dynamic and goods and services may be included as needed. Current classifications will help with classes that cover these new realities, however, it is not the same goods or services. Imagine any type of clothing or accessories, a physical bag and an NFT collectible bag are not the same. This will be very challenging, and I hope that legislation around the world will catch up with virtual environments as soon as possible. It is not the first time that the law will have to stretch to enforce rights in all these new situations, it happened at the beginning of the internet and domain names in which, unfortunately, many unscrupulous people took advantage of the loopholes in the law. On the other hand, I think that the metaverse will not necessarily replicate the physical world. Today you can find trademarks that are used in both worlds or trademarks that are used for NFTs, crypto punks, or trademarks that are only used in the metaverse, so lawyers interested and or specialized in this field will have to be creative on how to register, how to license and how to enforce. It will indeed be similar, but we have to accept that it is the beginning of a new era in law. 
Ownership in the metaverse is not the same as ownership in the physical world. To conclude, the metaverse is the new significant step in technology and innovation, I think it will expand immensely in the following years. I also believe that lockdown, home office and the pandemic fueled this situation, as did the many recent motion pictures and series describing different types of the metaverse. If I cannot go shopping in the new world, I will do it virtually, that is the reason for so many new games, virtual worlds and NFTs together with new generations who want to have experiences of different sorts in such worlds. If this assumption is correct, IP lawyers will receive loads of work connected with GUIs, software, copyright and trademarks in the metaverse and the like. We will need, as lawyers, to understand the technology, blockchain and all issues surrounding these new projects to provide legal strategies that can protect our clients, secure their rights and make it possible to enforce them, instead of defending our clients because someone else took advantage of the loopholes that exist today. As a lawyer, I am amazed by so many things that are new and innovative, the old 3D, which today can save lives, the haptics that will revolutionize fashion since they will stimulate the senses of touch and motion, cryptocurrencies, metaverse, multiverse, NFTs and whatever else someone will invent tomorrow. We are entering a challenging era as lawyers in which reality and legislation will have to deal with the gap. We will have to be creative and innovative to advise and defend our clients. Finally, I would like to find more legal articles about these topics in connection with IP. While researching to write this article, I found many pieces describing and analyzing blockchain, NFTs, and other related issues from different legal fields and scientific fields, but not many, at least in my jurisdiction, about intellectual property in the metaverse. Let's start creating a legal culture on this topic. Page 20. Advertisement. Caribbean Trademark Services. Law Office of George C. J. Moores, PA. Over 30 years of one-stop trademark services in the Caribbean. www.caribbeantrademarks.com. Offices in Anguilla and Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Telephone 1561-833-9000. Fax 1561-833-9990. Email IP at CaribbeanTrademarks.com. Palm Beach Office. George C. J. Moore, P. A. 2855, PGA Boulevard, Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, 33410. Anguilla Office. Calvin Lake Building, Suite 10. The Valley, Anguilla, A12640. Telephone 264-479,9900. Page 21. Anguilla, Profile. Name, Keisha Fleming Lake. Law Firm. Caribbean Trademark Services LLC, Law Office of George C. J. Moore, PA. Country, Anguilla. Position, Managing Partner. Website, www.caribbeantrademarks.com. Keisha Fleming Lake is an experienced attorney who has provided legal services to her clients for over 20 years. Keisha is a wife and mother of three children. She considers this role as one of her most important roles in life and one she enjoys fulfilling. Keisha was born and raised in the Caribbean. From her early adult years, she resided both in the United States and the Caribbean. 
Keisha maintains a professional and social residence between Anguilla and Florida. Keisha acquired her pre-college, college, and professional education in the United Kingdom, the Caribbean, and the United States. This provided her with the necessary foundation to build upon and establish a successful legal career in the Caribbean region and the United States. Keisha started her legal career in the United States as an associate for a major law firm. She provided legal advice to Fortune 500 companies. Keisha returned to law school and completed her Caribbean legal studies at the Eugene Dupuch Law School in the Bahamas, where she obtained a legal education certificate. Following this, she practiced law in Anguilla, thereby developing her skills and understanding of the Caribbean region's legal system. Keisha has tailored her practice to provide individualized attention to her clients' intellectual property portfolios. Her specialty is the management of large and complex intellectual property portfolios in the Caribbean. Over the years, she has successfully resolved issues before registries resulting in registrations of trademarks and processing of other applications. With her legal education and extensive background in practicing law in the Caribbean and the United States, Keisha is skilled to navigate all aspects of intellectual property law. Her understanding of the legal system in the Caribbean has allowed her to develop the expertise necessary to build her practice in the region. She is known among her peers for her diverse knowledge and skill. She is a registered attorney in the United States, Michigan, Florida, and Missouri and also in the Caribbean, Anguilla, Antigua, and Barbuda, and Street Kitts and Nevis. Keisha has focused her practice on both intellectual property law and corporate law matters. Keisha has vast experience dealing with Caribbean jurisdictions. She provides her clients with the advice they need to succeed in their applications. The services she provides are especially important and necessary for the manual Caribbean jurisdiction. Keisha's preparations and experience allow her to provide high-quality legal advice to address applications before the trademark registries, intellectual property offices in the Caribbean. In addition to being a member of the various bar associations, Keisha is an active member of the International Trademark Associations, INTA. She is up to date on any new intellectual property laws, regulations, and practices in the United States and the Caribbean. She actively serves on committees helping with the shaping of laws and procedures, including INTA's Anti-Counterfeit Committee. She has authored and co-authored several articles on the trademark law practice in the Caribbean jurisdictions. Business and Professional Affiliations Florida Bar Association, Anguilla Bar Association, Antigua, and Barbuda Bar Association, Street Kits and Nevis Bar Association, Michigan Bar Association, Missouri Bar Association, American Bar Association, Intellectual Property Law Division, Organization of Eastern Caribbean States Bar Association, Association of Caribbean Corporate Council, Intellectual Property Caribbean Association and the International Trademark Association, INTER. Page 22 and 23. Article. Where we are in 2022 with the Caribbean trademark practice and as Caribbean trademark practitioners. Written by Keisha Fleming Lake, Managing Attorney at Caribbean Trademark Services, LLC, Anguilla and Florida Offices. www.caribbeantrademarks.com The Caribbean region refers to countries located in the Caribbean Sea and the surrounding coastal area. 
some of the countries border the Atlantic Ocean. Costa Rica, Belize, Nicaragua, Guyana, Suriname, Venezuela, and Brazil are often considered part of the Caribbean region because they border the Caribbean Sea, even though they are located in Central and South America. Excluding Brazil, with a population of around 212 million, the Caribbean region has a population of approximately 30 million people and the predominant languages spoken are English, Spanish, French, Dutch, and Creole. The Caribbean region covers about 35 countries, and only about 2% of the region is inhabited. Each jurisdiction in the region maintains its own trademark practice. There is no unified trademark filing system or trademark registration system in place. Trademark protection in the Caribbean region is very important to brand owners due to the region's continuing strong political and economic ties, including trade, with former European colonizing powers and its proximity to and consequent major trade with the USA. Furthermore, the Caribbean continues to be one of the world's leading tourism destinations. The constant flow of persons traveling from the United States, Canada, Europe, Africa and Asia makes brand protection important. 2022 ushers in a new era of doing business all over the world, largely impacted by the global pandemic, shipping issues, shortages, and the resulting inflation. Trademark practice in the Caribbean has not been shielded from the changes presented as a result of the challenges in doing business as we have known it. In some instances, we see changes that are better, some aspects remaining the same, and some changes that complicate the practice, all resulting in a demand for good trademark practitioners in the region. The Caribbean Trademark Practice As a result of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, the trademark practice in the Caribbean region continues to be plagued by disruptions and challenges. Technical shortfalls, shortages of financial and human resources, and the geographical location of the region contribute to amplifying the complexity brought on by the pandemic. Yet, practitioners and clients see a thriving practice and an emergence of more efficiency in some jurisdictions to overcome the challenges. Trademark offices are implementing temporary changes to overcome the challenges brought on by ongoing interruptions, delays, and the inability of applicants to meet the requirements. This level of cooperation and creativity by the trademark offices reassures brand owners that their trademarks are being effectively protected. Practitioners anticipate that 2022 will present further changes resulting from the impact and experiences of the past two years. World Intellectual Property Organization Making Its Way Through the Caribbean The World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, aims to strengthen the Madrid system within the Caribbean region. Under the Madrid system, brand owners can register and manage trademarks by filing a single application and paying a single set of fees to apply for protection of their trademark in the countries that are contracting parties to the Madrid Protocol. Currently, around 126 countries participate in this system of trademark protection. Caribbean signatories to the Madrid Protocol increased in recent years, and more jurisdictions may sign on as partners to the Madrid system in 2022. This will present a change to the filing for trademark protection in the Caribbean. Some may welcome this change, but critics still consider that the expansion of the Madrid system into the Caribbean region will result in more complications to the trademark practice than benefits. In the countries where the Madrid Protocol is in force, 
brand owners can begin using the Madrid system to protect their trademarks. Antigua and Barbuda, Trinidad and Tobago, Cuba, Bess Islands, Bornaire, St. Eustatius and Saba which are now part of the Netherlands, Curaçao and Street Martin, Dutch, have been signatories to the Madrid system for some years. On October 12, 2020, the government of Trinidad and Tobago deposited its instrument of accession to the Madrid Protocol, and the system went into force in Trinidad and Tobago on January 12, 2021. On December 27, 2021, the government of Jamaica deposited its instrument of accession to the Madrid Protocol. It is scheduled to come into effect on March 27, 2022. Inquiring minds wonder what this means for a region that is already severely backlogged. Given that this is a region where resources allocated by governments for the operation of trademark offices are limited, and trademark regimes are not considered to be a high priority, some are of the view that adding the Madrid Protocol and its rigid deadlines and rules is not a welcome change even in 2022. Others view it as the much-needed modernization that the region needs. However, practitioners, brand owners and stakeholders can look to Antigua and Barbuda, for example, as a resource on strategies for survival and growth under the system. Transition to online filing. Trademark practitioners in the Caribbean region would welcome more online filing systems. A large part of the region maintains a manual operation where original documents with hand ink signatures and, in some instances, notarization and legalization are required. With pandemic restrictions, manual systems presented brand owners with difficulty in meeting requirements due to reduction or impossibility of travel, remote operations, reduction in in-person operations, especially for notaries, and interruptions in mail and courier services. Also, meeting the hard and fast deadlines present a different challenge. Responding to registry's requests, preparing and filing evidence for adversarial matters, or filing maintenance applications have proven challenging with curfews, shutdowns, or other interruptions in regular operations. More jurisdictions in the Caribbean region should implement a permanent electronic filing system and the acceptance of copies. Trademark offices known for their manual-only filing systems have developed systems to ensure the continued protection of brands amidst the disruption in operations brought about by the global pandemic. Some offer ed electronic transactions during interruption to operations by allowing filings by email followed by hard copies. Other services were also offered by phone. Practitioners are hopeful that this may be the first step towards a movement in the region for a complete transition to more online filing systems. Some islands have transitioned to 100% online filing. For example, in Trinidad and Tobago, the trademark office made the transition to an online filing system in March 2020. The electronic system worked as an effective mechanism for continuous filing in the instances that the office must operate remotely. Operations continued through the electronic system. The Trinidad and Tobago Intellectual Property Office also offer services via its email system. The Cayman Islands implemented and practiced an online filing system for several years, resulting in a more efficient way of protecting trademarks. Will 2022 be a year where more islands in the Caribbean region follow the trend towards online filing? This remains an unanswered question as the challenge for such a system remains financial barriers and lack of government focus. Caribbean trademark practice has to encompass a unique flavor. 
In the same way that the Caribbean region is known for its range of unique cultures, beaches, food, flavors, music, sports and traditions, the region is also known for its unique trademark regime set up for the protection of brands. Despite the welcome beauty associated with these Caribbean features, there remains a need for further development of the practice of trademark protection. These known qualities of the region give the rest of the world the impression of a relaxed, carefree, iry vibe that transcends into the practice of trademark law. The marketing that is often associated with the Caribbean portrays an image of a region where there is a no-problem man attitude everywhere. Over the years, however, there has been an emergence of regulatory frameworks addressing some of the concerns that brand owners may have, dispelling this myth. The more modern and recent legislation, such as that passed in islands like Jamaica, Trinidad, and Tobago, Antigua and Barbuda, the British Virgin Islands, Cayman Islands and the Turks and Caicos Islands, address proper regulation of the intellectual property, balancing the interests of the brand owners and consumers. There are multiple cultural differences and unique regulatory frameworks in the region that must be understood. For example, while Street Martin is Dutch territory, Anguilla, which lies just 11 miles north of Street Martin, is a British overseas territory. No two islands have the same trademark regime. Consequently, trademark protection can present its own challenges even when modern trademark legislation and regimes are in place. Practitioners who have grown up and live in the region are presented with a unique understanding and opportunity to identify the necessary changes to meet an emerging economy. They can help shape legislative changes. They are also well positioned to properly advise brand owners on the best approach to protect their intellectual property in the region. Even with possible changes on the horizon, there are some constant factors that continue to make the practice in the Caribbean unique, and despite the possibility of changes in 2022, these unique features will remain in place. Examination standard will undoubtedly remain the same. The Caribbean region is known for having a very strict examination standard. The documentary requirements, originals and certified or notarized documentation, and the demand for consistency in the information presented is a practice that will be slow to change. Undoubtedly such requirements present a burden to some brand owners, however, the registries use this mechanism to validate the authenticity and veracity of information presented. This is especially relevant where digital records are not being kept. While this level of scrutiny may prove to be frustrating to the applicant, this review process puts the burden on the brand owners to ensure that the documents meet the scrutiny. Practitioners must advise clients of the importance of meeting the documentary requirements for registration of new trademarks or recording changes to the registration of an existing trademark. Documents should meet the legal requirements of each jurisdiction, whether there is a move to e-filing or the jurisdiction remains largely manual. This level of scrutiny can lead to backlogs and delays. Any improper documentation can result in substantial processing delays. Consequently, having proper advice is better for successful protection in the Caribbean region. Page 24. Advertisement. A.R. Abdel Razak and Associates. Your IP experts in Haiti. 19, Rue Moise Pechenville, 6140, Haiti. Telephone, 509-38-199200 or email, vanessa at cabinetabdelrazak.com. Page 25. 
Profile. Haiti. Name, Vanessa Abdul Rozak. Law firm name, Abdul Rozak and Associates. Country, Haiti. Position, founder slash partner. Website, www.cabinetabdulrozak.com. Vanessa Abdul Rozak has more than 14 years of experience in the areas of business and corporate law, intellectual property law, investment law, and public law. She provides advice to companies and individuals to help them conceive the optimal legal strategy for their business ventures. She represents her clients in a wide variety of legal disputes and transactions. Her practice and experience allow her to grasp a comprehensive understanding of her clients' needs and enables her to deliver sound and relevant legal opinions. Vanessa has also provided legal services to public entities and participated as an independent consultant in various projects for state entities and public-private partnerships. Since 2011, Vanessa is a lecturer at the National School of Financial Administration of IT, École Nationale d'Administration Financière, ENAF, where she teaches the Introduction to Law and Contracts course. She also lectures at Kiskeya University since 2016, where she teaches a course on environmental law. Her main areas of interest are intellectual property, business law, corporate law, family law, and public law. Vanessa is always giving back to her community and values being involved in social programs that provide opportunities for the less fortunate. As such, Vanessa serves as a board member for two non-profit organizations engaged in health and education in IT. Qualifications Law degree from Kiskeya University of IT, cum laude. Master's degree in International and Comparative Environmental Law from the University of Limoges, France. Master's degree in public law from the University of Aix-Marseille, France. University diploma in comparative legal studies from the University of Aix-Marseille, France. Certificate in drafting and legislative methods from the University of Geneva, Switzerland. LLM in international business law at the University of London, to be completed in 2021. WIPO certificate on trademarks, Industrial Designs and Geographical Indications International Center for Settlement of Investments Disputes, ICSID, Arbitration Rules Certificate Aircraft Acquisition and Financing, International Aviation Law Certificate, IATA, Miami Associations and Affiliations, Member of Barrow de Port-au-Prince, Port-au-Prince Bar Association Member of Association Internationale pour la Protection de la Propriété Intellectuelle Ape. Arbitrator at Chambre de Conciliation et d'Arbitrage d'Aiti. Second Vice President at Rotary Club PV Sud. Languages. French, Spanish, English, full proficiency. Page 26 and 27. Article. New Certification Trademark in Haiti, Harem. Written by Vanessa Abdul Rozak, partner at Abdul Rozak and Associates, Haiti www.cabinetabdulrozak.com. On November 4, 2021, the first regulation for the use of a certification trademark in Haiti was published in the official gazette, Le Moniteur, No. 154. This new and unique certification mark, named Harem, was created to regulate, protect and guarantee the quality of Haitian rums. In Haiti, 
Industrial property law has evolved very slowly since the enactment of the Trademark Law of July 17, 1954. It has been amended by the decrees of July 15, 1956, August 28, 1960, September 24, 1970, which constitute the legislative texts of reference in Haiti with regard to the field. These legislative texts have been partially revised and complement industrial property law in Haiti. The said laws require an update that would contribute to the country's economic growth. Until recently, the registration of a certification mark was not foreseen in Haiti. The trademark law in force allowed for the registration of word marks, figurative marks and slogans. These marks could be made up of surnames, fanciful names, numbers, letters, designs, emblems, abstract or representative figures, or color combinations. The association of a word and figurative mark was also possible under the July 17, 1954 trademark law. Haiti is a signatory to the Paris Convention and other international conventions, thus, the internationally recognized essential principles for the protection of trademarks are followed in Haiti. Indeed, trademarks can fulfill a certain number of functions. Still, its essential role is to make it possible for the public to identify the origin of a product or a service and thus distinguish the goods and services from one company to another company. Individual and collective trademarks fulfill this function perfectly. On the other hand, the certification mark does not make it possible to identify the origin of a product and a service, its primary function is to indicate to the public that the product or service in question meets specific characteristics often related to quality. Thus, this type of mark is particularly suitable for protecting associative productions and attesting to the recognized quality of their products or services. Certification marks or collective marks? A certification mark indicates that the goods or services in connection with which it is used are certified by the trademark owner regarding the standards or characteristics required for the goods such as origin, materials, the methods of manufacture or the performance of services, quality, or accuracy. The owner of the certification trademark is usually a person, public entity, or association responsible for the certification process. On the other hand, the user of a certification mark is the producer of the goods that have been examined and certified. A collective mark. There are various definitions of collective marks according to the national laws of each country. A collective mark is defined as a sign capable of distinguishing the geographical origin, material, or any common attributes of goods or services that belong to different enterprises, service providers, or individuals who are using it collectively under the control of a proprietor. The owner may either be an association of which those enterprises or individuals are members of, or any entity, including a public institution or a cooperative, which under the terms of the legislation applicable to them, have the capacity, in their name, to be holders of rights or obligations of any kind, to enter into contracts or to perform other legal acts, as well as legal persons governed by public law. It is important to note that this new certification mark is also defined as a collective trademark in Haiti. Also, the harem certification trademark establishes standards of quality and informs of the origin of the product, in this case, rum produced in Haiti, Haitian rum. As we can notice, it is left to the state's discretion to choose the characteristics applicable to certification or collective trademarks in their respective countries. Thus, some countries like France recognize certification, collective, 
and guarantee trademarks, and clearly distinguish between collective and certification marks in its case law. An example is that France, in 2017, introduced a so-called guarantee mark category to supplement the types of marks that were already recognized by French and European Union law. Some states have modulated the definitions of these types of trademarks to adapt to the needs or the reality of their legal system. The principle of neutrality of the certification entity. National laws generally recognize that a certification trademark can only be filed by a person who does not manufacture nor provide services, such as those covered by the certification mark. Since the holder of a certification trademark is prevented from manufacturing the products or performing the services related to the certification mark, he authorizes its use by persons offering products or services complying with the standard defined by the regulation of use. This principle is established to prevent circumstances where the certification party would lack impartiality when certificating a product. At all times, the certifying party or organization will refrain from taking sides in a debate regarding its mission or any conflict opposing people producers or service providers eligible for the certification. It will also never engage in business related to the certifying trademark. Ownership of the certification trademark in Haiti Under Article 2.1 of the Regulations of Use, the holder of the certification mark harem is the Ministry of Commerce and Industry of Haiti, which filed it as a collective certification mark. This public institution is the only entity authorized to grant the use of the said trademark after submission of an application by a potential user and verifications carried out through audits. In this perspective, it is specified in the regulations of use that the certificates attesting to the license granted to users are also the property of the Ministry of Trade and Industry and that any reproduction will be considered counterfeit. Criteria for harem certification trademark. The published regulations of use concern the use of the certification mark. Harem may be used by rum producers whose products meet the criteria set out in the said regulations. Operators or producers of Haitian rums must meet several requirements. The main criteria established by the regulations of use concern. A. The location of the rum manufacturing operations. The fermentation of raw materials, distillation, maturation and packaging, must be carried out on Haitian territory. b. The description of the rum. Article 5 of the Regulations of Use describes the attributes that characterize a rum aspiring to use the harem certification mark. Alcohol content, volatile element content, rum certified harem have, when marketed to the consumer, an alcoholic strength by volume greater than or equal to 40% and at least a content of volatile elements other than methyl and ethyl alcohol of 225 grams, a hectolitre of pure alcohol. Descriptive indications of the color aromas are also mentioned in the text. c. The manufacturing method. Article 6 of the regulation is devoted to the manufacturing methods recognized for using the certification mark. These are two in number, distillation in a column and distillation in an iron still. Control and sanctions to the right of use of the certification trademark. The Ministry of Trade and Industry of Haiti, as the certifying body, is the only one authorized to carry out the controls related to the appropriate use of the mark and to request all documentation necessary for the users. According to Article 14 of the regulations, users must make declarations of opening, 
interruption, and end of air distillation operations, along with other reports at specific times. In the event of breaches by the user, the regulations of use provide for penalties, warnings, and gradual sanctions. The sanctions provided range from formal notice accompanied by request for corrective measures to the suspension of the right to use the certification mark or the permanent prohibition of its use. The administrative sanctions provided for by the regulations of use may be accompanied, where appropriate, by legal action and publication. Recognition of a new category of trademarks in Haitian law. With the publication of the regulations for the use of the harem trademark, it is implicitly recognized in Haitian law the possibility of registering a new category of a trademark which until now was only known theoretically. Indeed, the legislation currently in force only provides for trademarks and service marks. Now associations of producers or institutions holding and transmitting recognized know-how can request the registration of a certification mark. That way, they can ensure consumers of their willingness to maintain consistent standards regarding the products or services covered by the certification trademark, thus operating a valorization of the national production. Possible regulatory improvements. Trademarks for collective use and certification marks fulfill specific functions and are used as protection strategies. The regulations of use with regards to the harem certification contain essential information necessary for the potential user or beneficiary of the certification trademark. However, certain clarifications deserve to be inserted, such as the validity period of the certification, a guide for the use of the logo whose colors are not specified or indicated in the regulations of use, the definition of the vocabulary used in the text which uses different terms for, it seems to identify the same object. It would also be essential to publish the administrative instructions of September 15, 2021, to which the text refers but is not available for consultation. A step forward for the quality standard of local products and craftsmanship in IT. Haitian rum made from sugarcane, fermented, and distilled according to specific processes, has a reputation that must be preserved. Haiti is full of talents and know-how that deserve recognition, protection, and continuation. We hope that collective trademarks and certification trademarks recognition in IT will in the near future be formalized through a law that will clarify any dark areas or interpretative norms. This will prevent any legal uncertainty and significantly develop sectors such as agri-food and crafts in IT. Such legal improvements could constitute a vector for economic growth in compliance with the standards and principles of equity and justice. Page 28. Advertisement. Trademarks, copyright, patents, designs. Foga Daily Attorneys at Law. Patent and Trademark Agents. Mastering Law's New Frontier. Client-focused. Solution-oriented, innovative. Foga Daily Founders. Nicole and Diane finesse their handling of complex intellectual property issues, as they welcome rising IP star Rachel to their partnership. Info at fogadaily.com, www.fogadaily.com, 7 Stanton Terrace, Kingston 6, Jamaica. Telephone, 876-927-4371,5, fax 876-927-5081. Foga Daily 22nd Anniversary, Mastering Law's New Frontier. Page 29. Profile. Jamaica. Name, Diane Daly McClure. 
Law Firm, Foga Daily. Country, Jamaica. Position, Founding Partner. Website, www.fogadaily.com. Diane Daly McClure is a founding partner of Foga Daily, established in 2000. She heads the firm's intellectual property, IP, department and handles complex IP, trademark, design and patent prosecution, IP portfolio management, copyright licensing, media, entertainment and sports contracts. She has a Bachelor of Laws degree with honors from the University of the West Indies, UWI, and a master's degree in comparative law specializing in IP and international copyright from McGill University, where she attended as a Canadian International Development Agency, CIDA, scholar. Diane was called to the Jamaican Bar in 1990 and has over 25 years of IP law and practice experience. Her first job in the field was as legal director and head of Jamaica's Copyright Office in 1995, where she advised the government on IP policy and legislation and represented Jamaica as an IP expert at the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, UNESCO and other forums. Diane participated in the negotiations of the WIPO Internet Treaties adopted in 1996 and later coordinated the establishment of the Jamaica Intellectual Property Office, JIPO, and became acting chairman of the JIPO Advisory Board. Diane is also a WIPO tutor and teaches patent law, copyright law and IP in the creative and cultural industries at the graduate level as an adjunct lecturer at the Faculty of Law, UWE Cavehill and Mona campuses and the Entertainment Law Undergraduate Course at UWE Mona. She is chairman of the Cayman Islands, Copyright, Designs and, Trademark, Appeals Tribunal and has been chairman of the Intellectual Property Committee of the Jamaican Bar Association for several years. Her other professional memberships include the International Trademark Association, INTA, the Global Advertising Lawyers Alliance, GALA, the EA International Lawyers Network, Justinian Lawyers, the Intellectual Property Caribbean Association, IPCA. Since 2002 Diane has been an active member of INTER and has served the Inter-Public Resources Committee, Inter-Related Rights Committee, the Geographical Indications Committee and the Copyright Committee. Diane has also been a contributor to the Inter-International Opposition's Guide since 2003. She is the chairman of the Jamaican Copyright Licensing Agency, JamCopy, and company secretary for the Jamaica Music Society, JAMS, both national copyright management organizations. Diane has authored several publications on IP, including Jamaica, Intellectual Property, International Encyclopedia of Laws, Clower Law International, 2008, Intellectual Property, Supple, 47, September 2008, A Monograph. Jamaica Chapter Published in Copyright Throughout the World, edited by Professor Silke von Lewinsky, West, updated 2018. Shades of Grey, uncovering the century-old imperial imprint on Jamaica's modern copyright act, published in A Shifting Empire, 100 Years of the Copyright Act 1911 edited by Isolde Gendru and Uma Sothersenin, Edward Elgar, 2013, pages 168-203. Canada's Treatment of Geographical Indications, Compliant or Defiant, published in An Emerging Intellectual Property Paradigm, Perspectives from Canada, edited by Isolde Gendru, Edward Elgar, 2008, 
pages 35 to 66. Other previous appointments include Consultant for the Commonwealth Secretariat and the UK Commission on IP Rights, Deputy Chairman, Copyright Tribunal and Special Ministerial Advisor on IP. Page 30. Profile. Jamaica. Name, Nicole Foger. Law firm, Foger Daily. Country, Jamaica. Position, Managing Partner. Website, www.fogadaily.com. Nicole Foger is the managing partner of Foger Daily and heads the firm's telecommunications, media, and technology department. Her practice areas include information and communication technology law, data protection, and privacy law, intellectual property, mergers, and acquisitions, environmental law and commercial law. Ms. Foger holds an LLM in commercial law, Aberdeen University, LLB, UWI, and a BA, First Class Ons, UWI. Ms. Foger chairs the Telecommunications, Broadcasting, and Technology Committee, TBTC, of the Jamaican Bar Association, Jumba, is chairman of the University of Technology Pension Fund, a vice-chairman of Jamaica's Copyright Tribunal and member of the Legal and Enforcement Subcommittee of Jamaica's National Environment and Planning Agency. She is an associate member of the American Bar Association and the International Trademark Association, INTA, and chairman of the Interdata Protection Best Practices Subcommittee. She is also a member of the ITEC Law Association, the Society for Computers and the Law and the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers. Ms. Foger is a director and the company secretary for the Usain Bolt Foundation, as well as Kingston Properties Limited. This publicly traded company is Jamaica's pioneer real estate investment trust. She served as director and secretary of the Environmental Foundation of Jamaica for six years. She was a member of the International Committee of the Council on Foundations in the USA for four years. Previous appointments include the first general counsel in the Office of Utilities Regulation, legal advisor to the Broadcasting Commission, and crown counsel in the Attorney General's Department. She has represented Jamaica at various international and regional conferences on telecommunications and intellectual property and was the chairman of the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, Caribbean Regional Committee on Electronic Commerce and Intellectual Property. Ms. Foger has been a featured speaker on digital law issues, including cybersecurity, professional standards in the use of technology, and data privacy and protection. In 2020 she moderated two Jumba Continuing Legal Education webinars, November, screened out. Lawyers need time to think. And July, data processing standards for lawyers. In September 2019, she presented on ethical considerations in the use of technology in the practice of law for the Jumba. In June 2019, she was a panelist who spoke on data protection, what next for NIDS? Understanding the Supreme Court ruling and looking ahead at the Interim Cyber Security Conference organized by the Mona ICT Policy Center. In April 2018 and December 2017, she presented on the topic of 21st century digital law challenges for the General Legal Council as part of its continuing legal professional development program. As chair of the TBTC, she led the team representing Jumbo which addressed the Joint Select Committee of the Houses of Parliament on the review of the Cybercrimes Act in March 2013, 
as well as the team which addressed the Joint Select Committee of the Houses of Parliament on the Data Protection Bill in March 2018. Ms. Foger authored Cyber Law in Jamaica, 2012 and co-authored with Diane Daly IP Rights and Caribbean ICT Industries, The Case for Reform, published in Ringtones of Opportunity, 2012. Page 31. Profile. Jamaica. Name, Rachel Lodge Corrie. Law firm, Foger Daly. Country, Jamaica. Position, partner. Website, www.fogerdaily.com. Rachel Lodge Corrie LL.B. Ons, is Foger Daily's newest partner and a member of the firm's intellectual property and commercial departments. She has a Bachelor of Laws degree with honors from the University of the West Indies and a legal education certificate from the Norman Manley Law School. She started working with the firm in 2015 as an intern and became an associate in 2016 upon being called to the Jamaican Bar. Rachel joined the partnership in 2021 and has distinguished herself in intellectual property, data protection and commercial law and has gained special recognition as a young practitioner in the international trademark community. As a partner, Rachel focuses on complex trademark matters, including non-routine applications, responding to office actions, opposition and revocation proceedings and trademark portfolio management. Other practice areas include patent prosecution, entertainment, media and advertising law and copyright law. In the commercial department, she handles corporate matters, including company formation and statutory compliance. She is an active member of the Jamaican Bar Associations, Jumba, Telecommunications, Broadcasting and Technology Subcommittee and the Intellectual Property Subcommittee. She is an associate member of the International Trademark Association, INTA, and serves as co-chair of INTA's Young Practitioners Awards and Fellowship Subcommittee. Rachel is also a member of the Women's IP Today Steering Committee, a non-profit organization advancing the interests and rights of women in the workplace globally. Rachel tutors entertainment law at the Faculty of Law at the University of the West Indies. She has been a featured speaker on numerous intellectual property issues and data protection laws for Jumba, the Jamaica Chamber of Commerce and various tertiary education institutions. She has certificates from the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, for participating in WIPO's Intellectual Property Summer School in Jamaica and completing WIPO's General Course on Intellectual Property and Advanced Courses on the Patent Cooperation Treaty and the Madrid Protocol. Rachel has also received certificates of participation for successfully completing patent training through the TBT Program and Jamaica Intellectual Property Office, JIPO, and the WIPO Sub-Regional Patent Drafting Course. Page 32. Women's IP World 2022. South America. Sponsored by Lex Orbis Intellectual Property Attorneys in India and Patent Seekers, the Global IP Searchers in the United Kingdom. Page 33. Columbia. Profile. Name, Claudette Vernet. Law firm, Estrategia Juridica. Position, Director and Attorney at Law. Country, Columbia. Website, www.estrategiajuridica. Co. Claudette has focused her career on studying and improving brand protection programs and IP litigation strategies in Colombia. 
After receiving her degree in law from Universidad Externado de Colombia, she was awarded a postgraduate diploma by University Pantheonesses in Paris. She was co-chair of the Inter-Anti-Counterfeiting Committee for the 2020-2021 term and chair of the Inter-Anti-Counterfeiting Committee for the 2022-2023 term. Additionally, she is a member of ACPI, IPCA, ACIPI, and APRAM associations. Claudette is an expert in the protection of trademarks throughout Latin America, advising several companies at the regional level to define strategies to protect trademarks and in large markets while providing solutions to fight contraband and counterfeit. For five years, Ms. Vernet was regional outside counsel, assisting the general legal counsel in the fight against the illegal trade for the company PMI, specifically covering the Latin American region. She founded her own firm, Estrategia Juridica, in 1998. Estrategia Juridica's main focuses include the litigation of IP cases, consumer law, criminal law, unfair competition, brand protection programs, and enforcement of IP rights. Practice areas, brand protection, criminal and civil law, trademarks, patents, copyrights, consumer law, and data protection. She has worked as a professor in the area of commercial contracts related to industrial property rights, copyrights, and new technology at Universidad Externado de Colombia. Claudette Vernet was the pioneer lawyer in Colombia for IP criminal cases for brands like Levi's, Oakley, Microsoft, and Crocs. New actions, such as customs border measures and consumer law, were part of the latest strategies for brand holders. In 1999, she began programs for training customs officers, members of the police force, and different agencies. Her experience in the intellectual property field makes her one of the most recognized attorneys in Colombia. She has trained her team to understand that the client is a business partner and that they must collaborate to find strategies to protect their IP portfolio. She currently works for several brand holders, advising on how to find legal strategies against transnational counterfeiters in the Latin American region. Nowadays, she represents prestigious companies like Crocs, Ray-Ban, Specialized, Epson, Nokia, Polo Ralph Lauren, Schaffler, among others, on different IP matters. Languages, Spanish, English, French, and Italian. Page 34 and 35. Article. A Checklist to Protect Your Brand from Intellectual Property Crimes. Written by Claudette Vernet, Director at Estrategia Juridica, Colombia www.estrategiaheredica.com. In order for companies that are victims of intellectual property crimes in Colombia to enforce their legitimate right protected by law and access compensation for damages, some good practices must be taken into account so that the case brought forward through the penal process has a positive outcome. In the first place, so that there is an interest and understanding of the authorities to support the holder of a duly registered trademark to set up a seizure process, and so that the intervention of the authorities has positive outcomes, it is necessary to strengthen the authorities' institutional capacity to combat intellectual property crimes, through training, seminars and workshops. This way, we can raise awareness and educate the different enforcement entities that intervene in the fight against crimes that violate intellectual property rights. Subsequently, seeking to minimize their negative impact on public finances, the consumer, public health, 
and the latent risk of affecting the brand reputation. Second, once the apocryphal merchandise has been identified, we always recommend having analyst officials and or brand experts available to support the merchandise identification process. Given the existing technology and the pandemic, we achieved virtual work strategies to identify the product with the brand owners abroad. After the merchandise is recognized as counterfeit, the competent authority must initiate a seizure process. It is essential that a seizure process be carried out and not an apprehension process due to the fact that in the first procedure, the merchandise remains at the disposal of the Attorney General's office for investigation. In contrast, only the merchandise is confiscated by the customs authorities in the second. It is not necessarily associated with a judicial process in which the trademark holder may intervene since the causes of apprehension can generally be rectified. Third, it is necessary to take into account the jurisdiction of each authority to carry out operations to seize and or apprehend merchandise. For this, it is crucial to keep in mind the primary zone and secondary zone defined by the customs statute. The primary zone is the place of the National Customs Territory, authorized by the Special Administrative Unit of the National Directorate of Taxes and Customs, DIAN, to carry out the material operations of reception, storage, moving or shipping of goods that enter or leave the country. In comparison, the secondary zone is part of the National Customs Territory, which does not constitute a customs primary zone. In Colombia, various administrative and police authorities carry out enforcement and operations to apprehend or seize products that may be involved in intellectual property crimes. Firstly, we need to refer to the DIAN, National Directorate of Taxes and Customs, which has jurisdiction to act throughout the national territory, both in primary zones, ports, airports and free trade zones, and in secondary zones, commercial establishments open to the public, as well as merchandise that is in transit, roads, airspace and the ocean territorial sea and contiguous zone. Usually, these actions in a secondary zone are carried out by Diane with the support of other authorities, POLFA or the Colombian Navy. Moreover, the Navy of the Republic of Colombia acts in the primary zone, ports and free trade zones, and, in turn, has jurisdiction over the merchandise in transit, what corresponds to the ocean territorial sea and contiguous zone. On the other hand, the POLFA, Tax and Customs Police, can act in the primary zone, given the case, with prior authorization from the Director General of Diane. Diane and POLFA act in secondary areas of the National Territory, in subsequent control operations, in establishments open to the public, and in relation to merchandise in transit, products found in vehicles on national highways. Furthermore, there are different units of the Judicial Police, Dijan and Stin of the National Police, CTI, Technical Investigation Body, of the Office of the State Attorney General, that have jurisdiction throughout the National Territory, which act both in primary areas, ports, airports and free trade zones, and in secondary zones, commercial establishments open to the public, merchandise in transit, roads, warehouses or real estate, private sites that are not open to the public. These judicial police units act by means of a written order issued by a prosecutor, which is generally issued when there is evidence of an offence due to some information received from a formal or non-formal source or when there is a prior complaint that allows opening an investigation. Finally, the surveillance police will only act in cases of transit, roads, streets, if, during their routine checkpoints, 
goods are found without the supporting documents of legal entry into the country, and they will subsequently make the apprehension of said products. Fourth, it is key to structure a solid case before the judicial authorities. This is achieved when the authorities that carry out the merchandise seizure process, Diane, Polfer, Navy, Surveillance Police, collect and deliver all the necessary and relevant evidence that allows demonstrating to the judicial police of the occurrence of the illegal act so that in this way, a criminal report form is filed, which subsequently allows an investigation by the Office of the State Attorney General with the evidence collected. The accusing party is responsible for carrying out the relevant procedures to present the case before a supervisory judge in the jurisdiction where the seizure occurred. The latter will have to present the accusation against the active subjects before an ordinary judge. Remember that Colombia has an accusatorial criminal system. Fifth, it is important to follow up on the case to promote communication between the brand representative and the prosecuting body, allowing the aforementioned investigation to be carried out successfully. Usually, the judicial police assigned to the prosecutor's office in charge of the investigation will request information about the original products through the brand representative, they may request documents, certificates, samples, etc., in order to conduct a documentary study, expert opinion, by the documentology laboratory and determine the product falsification. It is very important to assist the prosecution in this regard, since, when determining the falsity of the products, the prosecution will have sufficient evidentiary basis to order the destruction of the merchandise and also, this will serve as an essential piece to file a formal accusation against the subjects who will go to trial for the crime of counterfeiting. Suppose we find ourselves before a case of transnational crime. In that case, we should think about the consolidation of inter-institutional cooperation with international institutions and agencies aimed at the dismantling of criminal structures. This cooperation with the authorities could guarantee the effectiveness of the investigations that consolidate criminal cases and allow the reduction of intellectual property crimes, not only in Colombia but also at the regional level, by prosecuting and dismantling criminal organizations dedicated to illicit activities. To complete this checklist, it is essential to stress the importance of combating intellectual property crimes with determination. Even though they do not account for a volume similar to that of other crimes, such as drug trafficking, terrorism, and money laundering, they are closely related. That is why we make a call to the companies affected by this phenomenon, so they denounce the violation of the intellectual property of which they are victims and support the authorities in their fight against it. We cannot abandon the authorities as soon as they act upon the seas, since there is a professional and ethical commitment to support them until the end of the process. Very surely, at some point in the investigation, we will be consulted about whether there is an interest in negotiating a principle of discretionary prosecution with the offender, this is the constitutional power that allows the Attorney General's office to suspend, interrupt or waive the criminal action, for reasons of criminal policy, according to the causes strictly defined in the law, and subject to legality control before the supervisory judge. In that case, the trademark holder will decide how he wants to proceed with the negotiation or if he prefers that the prosecutor continue with his investigation and file the case before an ordinary judge who will rule on the responsibility of the accused. This is just a basic checklist so that a criminal case for the counterfeit of a legally protected trademark in Colombia is carried out successfully. 
It is important to train the authorities not only to recognize and identify the brand but also in the good practices that must be carried out from the moment illicit conduct is reported, emphasizing the collaboration of the different authorities and institutions so that they join efforts and work on the same case. It is our obligation as representatives of our clients to raise awareness amongst the authorities on the protection of intellectual property because, in addition to affecting business innovation and creative economy, it puts at risk the economic sovereignty, public health, public finances, and it seriously affects the consumer and trademark holders. Page 36. Advertisement. Estrategia Juridica. Brand Protection and Enforcement in Colombia. Corporate and Commercial Law. Intellectual Property Law. Criminal Law. Customs and Border Measures. Competition Law. Litigation. Bogota D. C. Colombia. Telephone 571-638-1071. Email estrategia at estrategiajuridica.co. Carrera 13, no. 90-70-110-221 www.estrategiajuridica.co. Page 37. Profile, Brazil. Name, Christian Manzueto. Law firm, Towel and Checker Advogados. Country, Brazil. Position, Council. Website, www.towelchecker.com.br. Christian Manzueto is a counsel in the intellectual property practice of Towel and Checker Advogados, based in Rio de Janeiro. With 15 years of intellectual property experience, Christian advises on administrative and judicial cases involving trademarks, copyrights, trade dress, trade secrets, technology transfer and franchise agreements, fashion law and unfair competition. Christiane has assisted Brazilian and international clients with IP portfolio management and IP strategies. She has been responsible for managing a huge portfolio for a multinational client focused in the beverage segment for over 10 years. She has also advised on transactions involving IP, including IP due diligence and various agreements involving IP. Christiane also has relevant experience nationally and internationally, assisting national and foreign companies in purchasing trademark and settling extrajudicial and judicial agreements, leading IP due diligence during the acquisition of Brazilian companies and new IP portfolios in Brazil, providing consultancy regarding IP rights for entrepreneurs, analyzing and assisting the performance of trademark worldwide clearance, negotiations, acquisition, coexistence agreement, and prosecution of trademarks advising marketing materials, providing risk assessment on trademark availability, use and registration, drafting canned letters, legal opinions and motions to federal and state courts as well as to the BTO, oppositions, appeals, office action responses, assisting companies to request and obtain the recognition of highly reputed mark status with the Brazilian Patent and Trademark Office, providing legal and development strategy to enforce trademark, unfair competition, trade dress, copyrights matters and patents, draft of agreements, mainly, trademark license agreements, internet agreements, terms of use, internet privacy policy, and franchising, legal advice for clients regarding copyrights and entertainment law. Prior to joining Towel and Checker, Christiane worked at top-tier IP firms in Brazil, Daniel Advogados and de Blasi, Parente and Associados. 
In her last year at Di Blasi, Parente, and Associados, she was responsible for coordinating the litigation department and the technology transfer practice. A graduate of Pontificia Universidade Católica do Rio de Janeiro, Puke Rio, Christiane Holds and LL. M. Degree in Intellectual Property and Innovation from BPTO, Brazilian Trademark Office Academy. Additional postgraduate work includes, Universidade do Estado do Rio de Janeiro, postgraduate in Entertainment Law and WIPO NP training to act as a mediator in conflicts involving trademarks. Christiane also worked at the trademark department of a prestigious IP firm in London. She is ranked at WTR 1000 as a recommended expert. Christiane is admitted to practice law in Rio de Janeiro and currently lectures on intellectual property at universities and in the Brazilian Intellectual Property Association. Page 38. Women's IP World Annual 2022. Europe. Sponsored by Lex Orbis Intellectual Property Attorneys in India and Patent Seekers, the Global IP Searchers in the United Kingdom. Page 39. Profile, Poland. Name, Isabella Dudek Urbanowicz. Law firm name, Patpol, European and Polish Patent and Trademark Attorneys. Country, Poland. Position, Managing Director. Website, www.patpol.pl. Isabella Dudek Urbanowicz is a Polish and European patent and trademark attorney. She is a respected practitioner in the field of trademark law with a proven track record of trademark prosecution and contentious cases. She is a member of Inter, Marks, PTMG, and Ector. Mrs. Isabella Dudek Urbanowicz was elected managing director of Patpol in 2016. She leads a team of over 90 people. Her key responsibilities include the development of business strategies focusing on people and innovation. Mrs. Dudek Urbanovich is also the head of the trademark and design department, where she proves herself to be an experienced trademark attorney and a capable team leader with excellent managerial skills. Mrs. Dudek Urbanovich has a legal background as a Master of Laws from the Faculty of Law and Administration at Warsaw University. Amongst the clients of Mrs. Dudek Urbanovich, there are mainly pharmaceutical and FMCG companies, however, she also has vast experience working with other industry sectors, as far as trademark and design protection is concerned. For Isabella, the best recognition for her work is well-managed one client's cases and satisfied clients. At work, what she appreciates most is daily contact with people, both clients, and colleagues. During her tenure, Patpol has grown through a constant development process, through new milestones in the company life cycle, such as founding Patpol Legal, a full-service law firm, in late 2018. In addition, the introduction of new employee benefits, i.e., packages, additional days off, or healthcare and sports packages. During the COVID-19 pandemic, Mrs. Dudek Abanovich ensured the business processes ran smoothly and continuously for the clients. Isabella provided consistent communication, always being there for her team and clients. She managed to keep high morale within the team despite a remote way of working for most of the employees. In her own words, Patpol is one of the unique firms with very high retention. This company has its own unique energy, which consequently attracts people who are not only great specialists, 
passionate about their work but also personalities with good spirit and broad intellectual horizons and curiosity for the world. Recently in 2020, Mrs. Dudek Urbanowicz was recognized as the recommended professional in Poland according to the WIPO rankings of the most influential women in the IP world. She is one of two women from Poland recommended in this selection. Outside work Mrs. Isabella likes spending time with her daughters, reading fantasy or detective books. Also, she is a big fan of hiking excursions and collecting Japanese dolls. About the IP market in Poland I am pleased to note the positive trend among Polish small, medium, and large entrepreneurs regarding the demand for protection of their industrial property rights, not only trademarks but also their inventions. There is a growing awareness amongst businesses, research centers, or NGOs about various possibilities of financing innovations. Entrepreneurs use these funds to make their inventions, quite often revolutionary, recognized worldwide. Page 40. Profile. Poland. Name, Alexandra Kriska. Law firm, Patpol European and Polish Patent and Trademark Attorneys. Country, Poland. Position, Deputy Head of Trademark and Design Department and Trademark Attorney. Website, www.patpol.pl. Alexandra Kriska is a trademark attorney with many years of experience and the deputy head of the trademark and industrial design department at Patpol. She perfectly combines the features of an excellent manager and a trademark and industrial design specialist. As the department manager, she supports and organizes the work of almost 20 staff, attorneys, lawyers, translators, and assistants. Trademark attorney trainees are brought under her supervision, thus gaining professional qualifications and learning from her many years of practice and experience, constantly receiving help, advice, and support. Under her management, the trademark and industrial design department of Patpol is constantly growing and developing, which is not easy to achieve in times as difficult as today. For many years Alexandra has been participating in the most important IP events, such as inter-annual meeting, AP World Congress or Mark's Annual Meeting, where you can arrange an individual meeting and get to know her better. In her practice, Alexandra works with the most important clients at Patpol. She is appreciated by clients both for her professional knowledge and professional and individual approach to each case. She deals with issues related mainly to the protection of trademarks. She represents clients in administrative and litigation proceedings before the Polish Patent Office and the European Union Intellectual Property Office, EUPO. Alexandra Kriska holds a master's degree in law from the Faculty of Law and Administration at the University of Warsaw. She also completed postgraduate studies in Industrial Property Law, UW, and a special module on Community Trademarks at the University of Alicante in Spain. Alexandra is distinguished in the most important IP sector rankings each year, such as WIPRO Leader, WTR 1000 Recommendation, or IP Stars. She was also a member of Inter's Non-Traditional Marks Committee for the 2020-2021 term and a member of Inter, AP and Marks. You can read Alexandra's articles in well-known trade magazines like the Trademark Lawyer magazine. Page 41. Profiles Time 2. Poland. Profile 1. Name, Anna Gerzelak, PhD. Law firm, 
Sijin IP Gerzelak and Partners, Patent Attorneys, and Attorneys at Law. Country, Poland. Position, Managing Partner. Website, www.sijin.pl. Anna is a founding and managing partner of Sijin IP, Gerzelak and Partners, Patent Attorneys and Attorneys at Law, IP Business Advisory, which provides a one-stop shop service in the protection of intellectual property rights, as well as in broadly defined patent, legal, IP-related business, management and strategic consulting. Anna is a highly qualified and experienced Polish and European patent and trademark attorney and a professional representative before UAPO. Having a PhD in biology, she has a strong scientific background and specializes in life science, biotechnology, medicine, and pharma solutions. She represents clients in proceedings before the Polish Patent Office, European Patent Office, EPO, and worldwide for patents and utility models. She also represents clients in matters related to trademarks and industrial designs before the Polish Patent Office and UAPO. Anna specializes in drafting and prosecution of patent applications in life science and supervises validation of European patents in Poland. She represents domestic and international clients, including universities, research and scientific institutes, global corporations, and SMEs, in matters relating to the protection of intellectual property rights. Anna aids in the development of IP, technology transfer, and commercialization of intellectual property rights allowing expansion of technology on domestic and foreign markets. She is a frequent speaker at conferences and seminars. Sijin IP is a patent attorneys and law firm specializing in the protection of intellectual and industrial property rights, legal services and business advisory for companies and institutions helping in the protection, development and commercialization of IP on domestic and foreign markets. We conduct proceedings related to patents, utility models, industrial designs, and trademarks in Poland, European Union and worldwide. Within a cooperation agreement with the Polish Patent Office, we provide information and advisory services for SME enterprises in Poland. Profile 2. Name, Malgorzata Sikus, LLM. Law firm, Sijin IP Gerzelak and Partners, Patent Attorneys, and Attorneys at Law. Country, Poland. Position, of Counsel. Website, www.sijin.pl. Malgorzata is a highly qualified attorney at law and intellectual property expert with many years of legal consulting experience. Her legal expertise focuses on intellectual property law, unfair competition law, advertising law and protection of business secrets and know-how. She advises on all legal aspects relating to the protection, transfer, management, and commercialization of intellectual and industrial property rights. Malborzata provides legal support for investors, companies, scientific institutions, and individual inventors relating to intellectual property rights and innovative IP solutions. She also provides comprehensive legal services tailored to the needs of startups at different levels of their development. Malborzata specializes in the protection of intellectual and industrial property, in particular in building IP protection strategies and legal assistance in the process of implementation of solutions relating to intellectual property protection, management, and commercialization. She is also experienced in negotiations regarding the transfer of intellectual property rights.
Malbo Zata is an experienced attorney in proceedings regarding infringements of intellectual property rights and unfair competition, including proceedings for securing future claims. She represents clients before courts and authorities as well as in proceedings before law enforcement authorities. Malbo Zata is a professional representative before UPO, a member of the Warsaw Bar Association, and an active member of AP. Page 42. Advertisement. Voknina and Partners, Russia. Trademarks, Patents, Utility Models, Designs. IP at voknina.ru. www.voknina.com. Plus 7495231 Moscow, Russia. Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, Georgia, Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, Armenia, Moldova, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan. Trademarks, trademark search, trademark prosecution, trademark monitoring, trademark litigation. Voknina and Partners, Russia. Our leading patent and trademark attorneys. Tatiana Voknina. Russian trademark and patent attorney. Elena Ivanushkina. Russian trademark attorney. Elena Utkina. Russian patent attorney, Eurasian patent attorney, PhD in chemistry. Our attorneys are members of INTA, FICPI, LES. Russia slash LESIPTMG, ECTA, Chamber of Russian Patent Attorneys. Page 43. Profiles times 2. Russia. Profile 1. Name. Tatiana Vaknina. Law firm, Vaknina and Partners. Country, Russia. Position, Senior Partner, Russian Patent, and Trademark Attorney, Eurasian Patent Attorney. Website, www.vaknina.ru. Dr. Vaknina is an Honorary Advocate of the Russian Federation and Patent and Trademark Attorney of the Russian Federation, since 1993, and a Eurasian Patent Attorney. She currently practices in trademarks, prosecution, litigation, and patents and utility models in mechanical, electrical and aviation engineering. Dr. Vaknina has more than 35 years of experience working in IP, patents, trademarks, IP litigation etc. Being the founder of Vaknina and Partners IP law firm, she is now a senior partner of the firm. According to the most reputable Russian and foreign magazines and ratings, Dr. Vaknina is one of the leading IP professionals in Russia. Since the year 2010, she has continuously been listed as a leading legal expert by Who's Who Legal and Best Lawyers. I am Patent 1000 Inches included Dr. Vaknina to the list of the best individuals, litigation, as well as our firm Vaknina and Partners, which was ranked as one of the top six best IP firms in Russia for litigation and transaction. As the rating states, Tatyana Vaknina, who has nearly four decades of experience advising clients across the IP spectrum. An advocate and a Russian and Eurasian patent attorney, there is no patent issue that she cannot handle. Dr. Vaknina and her team of attorneys represent clients' interests in Russia and at the Eurasian Patent Office. Vaknina and partners cooperate with reliable partners and associates in other Eurasian slash countries, such as Ukraine, Belarus, Georgia, Kazakhstan, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Moldova, Tajikistan, 
as well as Baltic states. Tatiana speaks Russian and English. Profiles number two. Name, Elena Yukina. Law firm, Vaknina and Partners. Country, Russia. Position, Patent Director, Russian Patent Attorney, Eurasian Patent Attorney. Website, www.vaknina.ru. Dr. Elena Yukina is the head of the patent department and patent director at Vaknina and Partners. She is also a patent attorney of the Russian Federation and a Eurasian patent attorney. Elena has a PhD degree in chemistry and has gained experience in IP since the 1980s. Dr. Yukina currently specializes in patent matters in chemistry, biochemistry, pharmacology, pharmaceuticals, and other life science matters such as biotechnology, medicine, etc. She has been working in various management positions at the Russian Patent Office and was the head of the patent department of Rupto. Elena was one of the important developers and contributors of the agreement on the patent prosecution highway, PPH, between Russian PTO and Japanese PTO. She has been recently listed as a leading patent expert by Best Lawyers and received other acknowledgments from other ratings. Dr. Elena Yukina has been a member of the Advisory Council of the Russian Patent Office for several years. Being a member of several international and Russian IP organizations, such as Lay Russia slash Lessie and Chamber of the Patent Attorneys of the Russian Federation, she actively participates in IP community life. Elena speaks Russian and English. Page 44. Profiles times 2. Turkey. Profile 1. Name, Dilek Sabel. Law firm name, Orbis IP and Law. Country, Turkey. Position, Managing Partner. Website, www.orbisiplaw.com. DLEC is one of the managing partners of Orbis IP and Law and is a chartered trademark and patent attorney. She is mainly responsible for clients in foreign countries in all areas of obtaining and enforcing IP rights. Born in Germany, she visited a Catholic and famous Jewish high school. She graduated with a first-class degree from the University of Siegen with a B.A. in Literacy Cultural and Media Studies in Germany. During her university life, Dilek worked for one of Germany's most popular public service television broadcasters WDR and several other media organizations. Her focus is mainly the foreign clientele consultancy and IP portfolio management of more extensive portfolios. She is also a registered sworn translator and interpreter of notaries in the Turkish Republic. Her main practice area is to manage large IP portfolios, and she leads the overseas department. Experienced in anti-counterfeit and in use searches projects, she represents legal disputes before the Turkish Patent and Trademark Office. Dilek is bundling her national and international experiences in IP law, which she has gained from prestigious international clients and their projects. She specializes in trademark and patent matters by applying her experiences in enforcing registered and unregistered trademark rights across the world. DLEC is a member of associations like the International Trademark Association, INTA, European Communities Trademark Association, ECTA, German Association for the Protection of Intellectual Property, GRUR, Association of Intellectual Property Experts, VPP, and the Association of European Trademark Owners, Marks. 
Dilek speaks Turkish, German, French, and English very well. Profile number 2. Name, Aylin Senna. Law firm name, Orbis IP and Law. Country, Turkey. Position, Managing Partner. Website, www.orbisiplaw.com. Aylin Senna is one of Orbis IP and Law's managing partners, responsible for international clients in all areas of obtaining and enforcing IP rights. She leads the patent and design department and has a strong background of technical knowledge in patent, trademark, industrial design, and plant breeders' rights and develops internal tracking systems and internal registration processes. Aylin is a chartered trademark and patent attorney in Turkey and a registered mediator before the Turkish IP courts. She has held numerous positions and managed internal IP development projects in her career and has gained a strong technical and business background. She started sailing into her IP career as an industrial design expert responsible for protecting industrial designs, enforcing industrial design rights, and leading several maintenance projects. Her career continued as a business development project manager in purchasing and sales with the responsibility of organizing relations with foreign suppliers, clients, and international patent offices. Aileen was the leading creator of a benchmarking and invoice management project for her previous office to minimize the purchasing expenses, which was a key project within the company. Afterward, she worked rotationally in all IP departments as a system and process developer in order to minimize technical, procedural, and human-based mistakes during file tracking processes. She is a member of associations like the International Trademark Association, INTA, European Communities Trademark Association, ECTA, and the Association of European Trademark Owners, Marks. She speaks English and Turkish very well. Page 45. Article. Speak so I can see you. The role of women in leadership. Our editor, Elvin Hassan, hosts a candor with two influential women in the world of IP, Dilek Sabel and Aileen Senna. This article discusses how they have managed to be among the best IP firms in their country, Orbis IP Law, Turkey. www.orbisiplaw.com. In general, the presence of women in business is very rare, especially in leading positions. Only around 20% of management positions are held by women. But what about the IP industry? What talents does a woman need in the IP field to assert herself? What skills are required and what difficulties are expected in contrast to men? Dilexe Bell and Aileen Senna are two strong women who managed to make their law firm Orbis IP and Law one of the top 10 law firms nationwide in Turkey in just 10 years. Orbis is a very renowned trilingual law firm in Turkey and today represents international clients such as Alibaba, Evonik, and Philip Morris. The law firm represents international clients whose mother tongues are Turkish, English, and German, which is not common in Turkey. How did your story begin? Aileen, our story began 16 years ago when our paths crossed in another company. Dilek emigrated from Germany to Turkey, I from Bulgaria. We worked together a long time before Orbis and knew very well how we worked together and had a clear idea of the future. We followed an explicit vision of a well-running, satisfactory European law firm and put our ideas into practice. In the IP industry, 
We have often been the leaders of individual services that we have created over the past 10 years. We were even followed by the male world, making us very proud. Today we have a very good relationship with men in our industry and the clientele. We maintain excellent relationships and enjoy trust, respect, and recognition, which of course, we had to work very hard to achieve. What are the pros and cons of being a woman, especially in the IP industry? DLEC, of course, the IP industry is very male-dominated, but I believe that we are already much more advantageous than other sectors and that our male world has accepted us much faster than, for example, in finance. It's true that women simply have to try and prove more than men. Women work more harmoniously and approach things with more sensitivity. It tends to be the other way around with men, often, a high level of self-confidence, but not necessarily more performance, can often be seen. Men love competition, measuring themselves and their abilities from an early age. Men seek risk, women strive for harmony and perfection. However, if we don't show the killer instinct from time to time or simply courage and self-confidence, it can become more complex. Women have a feeling for the right thing, which men by nature do not live out so strongly. This feeling and, of course, good know-how and self-confidence has always brought us advantages. It wasn't all a big coincidence, and we knew from the start what to expect. What is the key skill, in your opinion? Aelin, even Socrates said thousands of years ago, speak, so I can see you. We have to be seen, and for that, we have to talk more. We must show ourselves and do so without fear of rejection. We have to achieve more and be more competitive to be properly seen. So, more courage is called for. However, we must admit that we didn't have it too difficult, but that's actually because we knew what we wanted right from the start and had a precise idea and a very precise business plan, without the fear of stumbling. We have never acted outside of this business plan and have made changes very quickly when necessary. We have always been very transparent, clear, and honest with clients and rejected cases we didn't believe in. The primary aim was not to earn more but to work better and sometimes surpass ourselves. What is your recommendation for new professionals and leaders in the industry? DLEC, have courage and never let go of learning more. We've been in business for 16 years, and we're still learning every day. Don't be afraid of defeat, especially since we are naturally more sensitive to feelings. Our instincts lead us to tackle things precisely and in a more solution-oriented manner. Be it the trusting and close contact with a client, be it crisis management or dealing with a team, we can simply use some capabilities to our advantage. When a team member has a problem or something just doesn't go as planned, sometimes we have more talent than men and can make better use of it. However, we have to appear much more self-confident. The last word from Dilek and Aileen. At this point, however, we must thank the male world in the IP industry. It wasn't too difficult for us, and many male colleagues have always supported us. However, this is also natural, men are happy to help and support women if they just appear self-confident and ask for the help they need. We can just animate women to be open and not fear being rejected by men because they are open to support and accept us more than ever before. Page 46. Profile. Turkey. Name, Claudia Kaya. Law firm, Destek Patent. Country, Turkey. Position, 
Manager and Managing IP Consultant. Website, www.destecpatent.com. Ms. Claudia Kaya acts as Manager and Managing IP Consultant for the Swiss Liaison Office of the Turkish IP company Destec Patent. She holds an MSc in Chemical Engineering from the Technical University of Dortmund and a degree in Interior Architecture and Interior Design from the Hamburger Academy. Claudia started her career at the University of Dortmund, working in the Department of Process Technology as a research associate. Thereupon she entered an international chemical group dealing with know-how, trade secrets, and licenses in 36 countries all over the globe as one of the production managers. Before her assignment in Switzerland, Claudia was a managing consultant at Destec Patent in Turkey, leveraging her experience and expertise with global IP matters, foreign business, and legal and social communities to help to provide efficient IP service to a worldwide clientele. Her practice areas are patents, industrial designs, and trademarks, focusing on the industries of chemical and mechanical engineering and medical engineering, polymer processing, life sciences, and interior equipment. She is an intuitive business developer who uses creative yet critical thinking. Claudia regards empathy and emotional intel as essential in the hyper-communicative world of business. She believes solid and friendly conversations help to build better business relationships. She pays great respect to client perception, speedy feedback, and follow-ups. Peers say that she is a fast adapter, flexible, versatile, and resourceful. In her private world, she's interested in professional dancing competitions. She has a professional dancing education and developed several stage choreographies for children and youngsters. She acts in many charity associations through which she gained an award for international understanding. She is the mother of two sons and a daughter and is a loving grandmother to her two grandchildren. With her family, she likes outdoor walking, traveling, and exploring different cultures by finding new interesting places all over the world. Claudia lives in the countryside near a big lake in the Alps where she loves to photograph nature. She loves to stroll through different art and archaeological exhibitions. Her favorite artworks are by Jack Vetriano, Kadinsky, Klett, and Irene Sherry. Her language skills underline her international personality. Claudia is a native speaker of German, has close to native speaker fluency in English and Turkish, and basic to intermediate knowledge of Italian and French. Memberships, Inter, Hector, PTMG, VPP, Angra and AP Claudia is also a member of the Geographical Indications Committee at Inter and Marx. Page 47 and 48. Article. Trademarks and Social Media. Written by Claudia Koya, Manager and Managing IP Consultant, Destec Patent, Turkey. Social media has become an extremely important tool to connect privately with each other and in the business world to promote business ideas. Visibility of products or services is just a few clicks away on a laptop, tablet, or smartphone but social media platforms pose a challenge for the protection and enforcement of intellectual property rights, especially trademark law. Activity in social media provides information on a product or service identified by a trademark and can contributes to the public image and reputation of a person or company. Online brand protection starts with the consistency of use and message. You need a deep diving process to protect your brand, 
and it should be implemented before you go anywhere near the online world. As the COVID-19 pandemic shatters the global economy, companies are under pressure on how to acquire and retain customers. In the last years, COVID-19 has forced many companies, from mom-and-pop stores to big-box retails, to consider or expand their presence on social media to keep their business running. Therefore, the use of social media platforms has significantly increased. While social media platforms are a pivotal option for new and existing brands to promote products and services, it is a big challenge to recognize competitors and the protection of their intellectual property. Social Media Strategies The big-picture trends show that social media strategies have taken a new direction. Brand protection is not done in isolation. It's not simply keeping your brand safe. It's a wide range of tasks that covers issues like getting the jump on competitors and fraudsters with multiple domain names to protect and promote your brand, protecting your brand assets-logo, brand, tagline, content, employees, finding your voice, telling your story, and protecting your authenticity, your character, your reputation. Turning negative sentiment into positive and measuring engagement. Measuring your share of voice and being the loudest in your industry. Securing brand names on social media sites. In light of the protection of trademarks against unauthorized use in a commercial environment, protection enforcement is crucial. You must trademark your brand, products, logo, tagline so they remain unique to you. To prevent a competitor from securing confusingly similar social media accounts as trademarked names, a company should consider proactively securing the company name and brand names on the major social media platforms in which its products and or services will be promoted. Legal conflicts between trademark holders, social media providers and internet users have become a high topic considering the wide area of unauthorized use of brands and their reputation in social media in the last years. A number of cases are discussed, including the scalability of litigation on a case-by-case basis and whether provisions for online service providers should be substituted for strict liability. In the last years of the pandemic, the internet business has experienced a considerable upswing, it's crucial to observe and stay on top of developments. How are consumers connecting on social platforms? What sort of content is trending? How are people acting now that life seems to return slowly to normal? It's important to observe how customers change their social media behavior and monitor the big picture on the permanent social media trends. Understanding the global trend is essential to place the brand in the best light to meet customers' expectations. To understand the psychology behind social media, some topics have to be considered by trademark owners, such as How much time is spent on social media in specific markets? Knowledge about the impact of short lifespan content? Key reasons why people use different platforms? Changes in the influencer and social commerce sphere? According to a recent market survey, 46% to 51% of adults use social media, definitely more since the COVID-19 outbreak. In addition to accessing a wider consumer pool in social media, there are significant benefits for a company proactively protecting its brand on social media with trademark registrations. The company will have the standing to enforce its trademark rights, 
successfully registered marks are beneficial during Manda transactions, the company could license or assign the mark to generate additional revenue. As a viable asset, trademarks increase the value of the business. Trademarks can be used as security interests in certain financial transactions. Thus, before releasing a brand on social media by spending time, effort, and resources in securing companies' social media matters and domain names, it is recommended that companies perform a comprehensive trademark search on the potential brand name, slogan, or hashtag to ensure that no other company could be claiming exclusive rights in the desired mark. Identifying social media mentions as well as domain names in various iterations of the name to avoid a likelihood of confusion claim should be taken into consideration. A company could have multiple trademarks within a specific company and or product, therefore, companies should seek advice from experienced trademark attorneys to learn the benefits of protecting other aspects of their business through trademark protection. In the event a competitor registers your trademarked names as a social media account, a company can avail itself of the social media website's trademark infringement dispute resolution process. If a company has yet to develop a plan on how to use social media for marketing its products services, at least the brand will have peace of mind knowing that it has protected these valuable online brand assets from competitors. Only an excerpt list, a company should consider proactively registering its company name and brand on the well-known social media platforms. Facebook. Instagram. Twitter. Depending on the size of the company, it could have a dedicated resource that routinely monitors the company's brands via social media to help identify and report potential infringers. Monitoring should focus on finding misuse of trademarks that could mislead consumers to believe that use or remark was made with the trademark owner's authorization. Creating alerts will notify the trademark owner every time an infringer, a brand bandit, is on the prowl. Image recognition in the brand protection strategy would catch all those dodgy copies. Implementing social media policies. Companies should have an internal social media policy that addresses how to handle trademark infringement matters. The policy should address the type of permitted content, the people allowed to post content, and the appropriate time to post. The policy should consider action steps when infringement is discovered, escalation slash reporting, authority to engage legal or the designated social media platforms in which the infringement has occurred. In addition, it should offer a clearance process prior to the use of an expression, design or image. This will prevent any third-party infringement claims. Trademark councils should implement the use of online agreements for social media platforms in order to regulate the monitoring of third parties' uses and activities. The policy should also cover the enforcement of trademarks and copyrights, taking into account the type of infringer, the government regulations that may apply and the potential negative effects on the company. Hashtags and their downfalls. Every day, business people use different types of social media in order to advertise their marks. Some use their own profiles or websites, some hire influencers to attract attention to their trademarks, others use cookies to flood the internet with unsolicited advertising. Others use hashtags, a very popular tool to draw attention to their trademarks in social media. Hashtags serve a very simple yet clever function, drawing attention. Therefore, hashtags have become increasingly common for companies and individuals as a marketing strategy. Unfortunately, 
their use can turn into a headache for trademark owners since it is challenging to prevent third parties from posting discrediting or harmful content through hashtags that link a trademark and could damage a company's reputation. In some cases, unscrupulous people also use hashtags in social media in order to free ride on someone else's trademark reputation and use it for massive unauthorized or counterfeit sales. Numbers of these cases have resulted in rulings from the courts in which the legitimate owner's complaints have been upheld, and free riders have been sanctioned due to trademark infringement. Loopholes in a policy should be addressed by trademark expert counsel with proper research and good judgment. To conclude, sometimes there are no black and white answers, and a well-thought-out action may require the involvement of experts from other areas such as marketing, communications, PR, and those working on the development of a product or service under a specific trademark. Challenges in IP protection related to the protection of brands in social media will continue as additional social media networks will continuously develop and increase. The number of websites that offer products and services will grow steadily. The success of trademarks may be measured by their reputation and recognition by consumers. Social media plays a key role in the development of these aspects. The benefits of registering trademarks can minimize the risk when a company takes the essential steps to actively protect and monitor its brand on social media. Page 49. Profile. France. Name Natalie Dreyfus. Law firm, Dreyfus. Country France. Position trademark attorney, founder and partner. Website www.dreyfus.father. Natalie Dreyfus practices as a French and European trademark attorney. She founded Dreyfus Law Firm in 2004, which is specialized in intellectual property law. She advises clients on a broad range of intellectual property law matters, specifically on the protection and enforcement of trademarks, designs, copyrights, patents, appellations of origin, plant varieties, and domain names. She is also involved in drafting intellectual property and know-how contracts at an international level. Natalie and her team are working in France and internationally as one of the leaders of intellectual property firms with expertise in the digital economy. More recently, the Dreyfus Law Firm has specialized in online brand enforcement and compliance. Natalie Dreyfus is an appointed expert at the Paris Court of Appeal, the WIPO Arbitration and Mediation Center, and the National Arbitration Forum, NAF. She advises her clients in regards to the protection of their intellectual property rights both in the real world and on the internet, including namely dispute resolution, infringement actions, technology transfer operations and UDRP-type arbitration proceedings. Moreover, Natalie Dreyfus has extensive expertise in all issues related to the internet and new technologies such as phishing, cybersquatting, social media, domain names, and online sales platforms. She is most specifically specialized in defending companies on the internet. As far as recent accolades go, Natalie has been referenced in the 2021 edition of Legal 500, the client guide for the legal profession in Europe. She was ranked among the top trademark professionals in the last edition of the WTR 1000 2021, amongst the category trademark agents and lawyers in the ranking of Who's Who Legal IP 2021, as well as in the Trademark Law Expert of the Year, France at the Leaders in Law Global Awards winner 2021. 
Natalie has also received the Trademark Law Firm of the Year Award at the 2021 Global Law Experts Annual Awards. In addition to her work as an IP lawyer, Natalie has organized webinars on IP topics in various sectors. She is often consulted for her views and expertise on the latest developments in IP and digital law. As an active contributor to the profession, Natalie and her team regularly take on speaking engagements at specialized French and international conferences. She also has written several books and articles for legal journals that specialize in IP and IT. She writes for the Dreyfus blog, publishing articles on legal news relating to trademark, patent, copyright, internet, and new technology law. Page 50 and 51. Article. Gender Washing and Greenwashing. Mother Nature, Emblem of the Instrumentalization of Societal and Environmental Struggles by Tomorrow's Entrepreneurship? Written by Natalie Dreyfus, Founder and Managing Partner at Dreyfus, Paris, France, French, and European Trademark Attorney, Appointed Expert at the Paris Court of Appeal, the WIPO Arbitration and Mediation Center, and the National Arbitration Forum, NAF. Celebrating Women Who Helped Shape the Contemporary World? Our society appears to be growing attached to this idea, and companies are taking an apparent virtuous interest in it. Activism, feminism, environmentalism. Is the end of the reckless globalization being consolidated at the heart of entrepreneurial activities? The omnipresence of feminist activism. In France, in 2021, the topic of militancy in the light of feminist values was apparently put in the limelight especially after Josephine Baker's burial in the Pantheon on 30 November 2021. As an American-born French resistance fighter who never stopped seeking artistic endeavors, Baker is now the first black woman to rest symbolically in the Pantheon. However, it should be recalled that a few years ago, on 8 August 2002, a senator addressed a question to the French government and drew attention to the imbalance between the number of men and the number of women in the Pantheon. In 2021, this imbalance is still significant since only six women are buried in the Pantheon, compared with 75 men. Historically, it is undeniable that the status of independent women is the subject of a progression steadily, particularly in the light of copyright, in the publishing sector. Rewinding even further back in time, in 1841, the bill on the literary property was the topic of heated debates in the Chamber of Deputies, especially regarding the status of the female author. In this respect, Article 3 of the bill, which was not adopted at the time, mentioned the following, the product of publications made by the husband, or by the wife with the consent of her husband. During the 19th century in France, a considerable portion of women of letters used male pseudonyms, not only to ensure the retention of the readers but also in regard to legal considerations. Indeed, under the then-existing legal provisions of the Civil Code of 1804, known as the Code of Napoleon, married women had the same legal status as minors and were thus placed under the tutelage of their husbands. Hence, they were prevented from publishing under their real names. This was the case, for instance, for Georges Sand and André Léo, who both used masculine pseudonyms. André Léo, under her real name Victoire Liadal Burra, was also an emblematic figure and considered as a feminist writer because of her literary works and her social commitment. The Société des Gens de Lettres, SGDL, 
a French organization that promoted and defended the rights and interests of authors at the time, expressed its intent to restrict the list of women authors in order to limit their number significantly. At that time, a considerable majority of the literary men were reluctant to make room for women in a publishing sector, affected by a capitalist system created by the Industrial Revolution. Since the 20th century, women have increasingly embodied a figure devoted to defending multiple causes. In this context, the ecofeminism movement emerged, consisting of bearing messages and taking actions favoring both social and environmental justice. But this battle is gradually becoming the battle of industrial companies, seemingly driven by opportunism, as the skeptics have criticized and lobbied. Yes, to the instrumentalization of trademarks in a corporate accountability approach, however, is that really ethical? To celebrate International Women's Day on 8 March 2018, a California-based establishment of the multinational company McDonald's symbolically reversed the letter M from McDonald's to represent the letter W of women. This is a typical case of femevertising, a neologism based on the contraction of feminist and advertising, and the advertising counterpart of feminism washing. Many companies have used this marketing strategy. The image of a product, trademark or company thus becomes the perfect instrument for imitating the convictions of the consumer to gain attractiveness. According to the 2018 Earned Branded study done by the research and analysis firm Edelman, 65% of French consumers buy products of a certain brand based on the underlying beliefs associated with it. The same study reveals that consumers expect brands to bring forth social and political changes even more than governments. The Meaningful Brands 2019 study done by the communication consultancy firm Havas Groups showed a similar result, consumers seek to reward brands that promote values in line with their convictions. This is how activism becomes a crucial element of brand strategy. Thus, the business of the future paradigm seems to be determined by focusing on woke topics. But although they often act out of opportunism, it is clear that, in France, Companies are genuinely pushed, or even forced, to take more accountability. Companies showing progressiveness and a true will to take accountability is a purpose pursued by the French law on the growth and transformation of companies, called the Loi Pact. This law foresees a corporate social responsibility, Responsabilité Sociétale des Enterprises, RSE, in French. The French government behind the RSE as the integration of social and environmental concerns into companies' commercial activity, as well as into their relationship with their stakeholders. RSE measures provided for by the Loi Pact apply to all publicly traded companies, or companies with a turnover of at least €100 million and employing at least 500 people. The RSE measures are based on the following three pillars. Social. Environmental. Economic. However, the RSE charters applied by French companies and similar policies in other countries, amongst other factors, tend to highlight an interrelated issue. That becomes evident when one thinks of another cause, the defense of Uyghurs in the context of forced labor. The debate quickly exceeds the territorial borders of countries since the stakes are clearly becoming geopolitical. The perfect current example involves the American brand Nike which has been the target of boycott campaigns because of its, recently ceased, collaboration with the Xinjiang region, a province in northwestern China where forced labor camps for Muslim ethnic minorities such as the Uyghurs are reportedly located. 
the United States, Canada and European Union announced sanctions against China on the 22nd of March, 2021, warning companies cooperating with producers and manufacturers in Xinjiang. Consumer protection to counterbalance permissive company self-regulation. Paradoxically, a large number of companies that promote feminist values through their brands ignore pay inequalities or fail to act against sexual harassment or other inappropriate behavior reported by their employees. This phenomenon of instrumentalization of social and ethical causes is also, and especially, present in matters related to ecological struggles. From gender washing to greenwashing, the problem of abuse is indeed very comparable. Greenwashing is perceivable as misleading as it creates a risk of confusion in the minds of the public. As a result of the sweep operation to analyze environmental claims on websites of companies in various sectors, the European Commission reported on 28 January, 2021, that half of the environmental claims were not supported by evidence. If such claims are indeed false or misleading, they constitute unfair commercial practices within the meaning of Directive 2005-29-EC. This directive establishes a unique general prohibition on unfair commercial practices that affect the economic behavior of consumers. The directive focuses particularly on deceptive practices and, more particularly, on the various forms of misleading or deceptive advertising. Nevertheless, in terms of greenwashing and genderwashing, the excesses are more doomed to be punished by the law. The current legal system seems to provide appropriate and enhanced protection with regard to eco-labels and certification marks, in addition to competition law and consumer law provisions. In this respect, it should be recalled that the standards of the ISO 14020 series will make it possible to frame and promote fair environmental communication. Moreover, American attorney Robert C. Skianful pointed out a tendency of the United States Patent and Trademark Office, USTO, to deny the registration of eco-marks, primarily based on their deceptiveness. For example, the USTO Appeals Chamber refused the registration of the trademark green seal for adhesive tapes and adhesive tape distributors on both grounds of deceptiveness and descriptiveness. But if a trademark is falsely ecological, it is difficult to say that it is descriptive. In any event, such a trademark is at least questionable as it is likely to mislead consumers. However, whereas this argument is justified by the grounds relating to the descriptive and deceptive natures of the trademark, the same reasoning could also be used for a trademark with verbal elements such as women, girl power, or feminism, that superficially and partly aims at promoting women's interests. Will Mother Nature's increasing intrusion on e-commerce platforms and store shelves lead to new legal issues at the intersection of consumer law, competition law and intellectual property law? Page 52. Advertisements. Experts on legal issues related to intellectual property and digital law since 2004. The digital age raises many challenges and opportunities. Dreyfus advises and supports you. By combining our knowledge of intellectual property law and new technology law, we provide companies with a dual approach to protect and enhance traditional and digital intellectual assets. Trademarks, designs and patents, new technology, monitoring, contracts, litigation and compliance. Aware of the necessity to incorporate the economic, social and environmental concerns of our society, 
we have adopted a CSR approach that reflects the company's values that we also promote internally. Contact us, contact at dreyfus.fr. 78 Avenue, Raymond, Poiré, 7551, Paris, France. Telephone plus 33, 144, 700, 704. Follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Advert number two. Same page. New report. Who is leading the innovation race? Read Innovation Momentum 2022, the Global IP100 report to find out. Get the report at go.lexisnexisip.com forward slash innovation report. LexisNexis. Page 53. Advertisement. Interpatent. Trademark and patent attorneys since 1927. Your ideas in good hands. Trademarks, design and models, copyright, web watch, patents, searches, domain names, custom watch and licensing. Interpatent S. R. Dell. Torino, Italy. Via Caboto, 35 to 10,129 Torino, 2. Tell, plus 39011-568-4450 slash fax, plus 39011-568-1821. Email at interpatent.com. Milano, Italy. Via Lanzone, 31 to 20,123 Milano, MI. Tell, plus 3902-6748-1868 slash fax, plus 3902-4070339. Milano at interpatent.com. www.interpatent.com. Page 54. Profile times 2. Italy. Name, Manuela Bruscolini. Law firm, Interpatent. Country, Italy. Position, Italian and European Trademark Attorney and Human Resources Manager. Website, www.interpatent.it. Manuela has been working in the International Trademark Department since 2001 and has recently acquired the role of Human Resource Manager. She is an Italian and European trademark and design attorney. Before moving to Torino, Manuela worked as a conference interpreter and translator for a primary law firm in Milan specializing in industrial property. Manuela is a competent professional in the field of trademarks before the Italian Patent and Trademark Office, UIBM. She advises Italian and foreign companies on filing strategies, trademark prosecution, and opposition procedures before the Italian Trademark Office, UAPO, and WIPO and manages recordal procedures in connection with IP ownership transfer and licenses. She has been a speaker at conferences on trademarks and domain names and collaborated with the Order of Industrial Property Consultants for the codification of the decisions of the appeal commissions regarding trademarks. Manuela is a member of Inter and Marks International Trademark Law and Practice Team, PTMG and an observer of APA. Manuela speaks Italian, English, German, and French. Name, Maria Cristina Goikoechea Margalef. Law firm, Interpatent. Country, Italy. Position, Italian and European trademark attorney. Website, www.interpatent.it. 
Maria Cristina has a degree in law from the Universidad Pontificia Camillas, ICADE, in Madrid. She is an Italian and European trademark and design attorney. Before Maria Cristina joined Interpatent in 2014, she had worked in various industrial property law firms in Spain and Italy, where she gained experience in trademarks, patents, and design prosecution and enforcement. Now she is in the trademark department and advises on IP matters to local and foreign clients, most from Spanish-speaking countries. Maria Cristina is a professional representative with competence in the field of trademarks, designs and models before the European Union Intellectual Property Office, EUROPO. She has dealt with legal advice relating to trademarks, patents, copyrights, counterfeiting, unfair competition, domain names and has experience of Spanish, Italian, EU, and international trademark registration procedures of administrative litigation before the Tribunal Superior de Justicia of Madrid and in the intervention procedures of the customs authorities in relation to counterfeit goods. Maria Cristina was a lecturer in the Master's Human Resources Management and Marketing and Communication at the Sea Management Business School in Rome and recently collaborated in the drafting of the Civil Law Treaty by Paolo Senden, Giuffre Editor. Maria Cristina is a member of the ADR Committee of Inter. She speaks Spanish, Italian, and English. Page 55, Profile Times 2. Italy. Name, Nicole Gaulia. Law firm, Interpatent. Country, Italy. Position, Attorney at Law in the Trademark Department. Website, www.interpatent.it. In Interpatent since 2017, Attorney at Law Nicole has carried out her activity in the Trademark Department. She graduated in law from the University of Turin and is enrolled in the Turin Bar. She has experience in the field of intellectual property acquired from a leading Turin law firm specializing in the sector. Nicole deals with legal advice on trademarks, patents, copyrights, counterfeiting, unfair competition, and domain names and has experience in the registration procedures of Italian, EU, and international trademarks. In addition, Nicole has acquired experience in drafting and reviewing out-of-court and commercial agreements and in licensing and assignment agreements for trademarks and patents. Nicole's specialism is in the protection of the trademark from the initial phase, carrying out searches for anteriority, filing and prosecution both in Italy and abroad, surveillance activities, trademark defense at national, EU, international and foreign national level, consultancy in the context of opposition procedures to the registration of trademarks, at Italian, EU and foreign national level, drafting warnings, opinions and replies on counterfeiting, unfair competition and trademark validity. She is a member of the Young Practitioners Committee of Inter. Nicole speaks Italian, English, and French. Name, Simona Mantovani. Law firm, Interpatent. Country, Italy. Position, Italian and European Trademark Attorney. Website, www.interpatent.it. Simona graduated from the Law School of the University of Turin and is an Italian and European Trademark Attorney. She joined Interpatent in 2018 after gaining experience in other IP firms in Turin. Simona is a competent professional representative in the field of trademarks, designs and models before the European Union Intellectual Property Office, Europo.
Simona now works in the International Trademark Department and advises Italian and foreign companies on filing strategies, trademark prosecution, and opposition procedures before the Italian Trademark Office and WIPO. Simona is registered in the Trademarks section of the Italian Register of Industrial Property Consultants. She graduated in law at the University of Turin with a thesis on industrial law entitled I Brand Deformer. She then collaborated with a leading consulting firm for some years, where she deepened her knowledge of the intellectual property sector. She assists Italian and foreign clients in procedures for filing and obtaining trademarks in Italy and Europe, in the International Register and abroad, in carrying out prior art searches, in opposition procedures to the registration of trademarks and procedures for the transcription of intellectual property rights. Simona is a member of the Non-Traditional Trademarks Committee of INTER and a member of the Programme Committee of ECTA. Simona speaks Italian, English, and French. Page 56 and 57. Article. Blockchain and IP, seen from the perspective of Italian IP practitioners. Written by Nicole Gorlia, Simona Mantovani, Maria Cristina Goicoecea Marjlef, and Manuela Bruscolini, at Interpatent, Italy. Blockchain again? No, please. This is not meant to be the umpteenth article about blockchain but a simple picture of where Italian, and EU, IP practitioners stand, in their daily practice, with the potential use of blockchain for the protection of intellectual property. Blockchain can be defined as a distributed database storing a permanent and tamper-proof ledger of data. A system of recording information that is difficult to change, hack or cheat, and where any digital information distributed across the network is time-stamped, immutable, and transparent to everyone. As it is nowadays well known, blockchain is progressively growing in popularity for its several functionalities, ranging from crypto assets to digital identity, NFTs, and smart contracts. We have seen blockchain used in the insurance sector for CO2 emission tracking, peer-to-peer payment, online evidence tool, and much more. Why is blockchain important for IP? Blockchain technology, along with the use of cryptography, certifies immutable proof of the existence of a digital file or document at a given time. In short, the technology acts as a digital certification of authenticity, providing far greater security of data authenticity than other means used so far. This specific property of blockchain technology enables a large number of applications in the field of intellectual property. In particular, it is a perfect solution for creating evidence of authorship, provenance, and registration of intellectual property rights. It can be used for controlling and tracking the distribution of goods protected by industrial property rights, providing evidence of genuine use and or first use of a trademark in commerce, digital rights management, establishing and enforcing IP agreements, licenses or exclusive distribution networks through so-called smart contracts, transmitting payments due to IP right owners in real-time, tracking, authentication and provenance of counterfeit, stolen and parallel imported goods, and many more. In 2019, the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, held a conference on the use of blockchain technology in the field of intellectual property, stating that one of the major goals of WIPO's blockchain task force was to explore the possibility of using blockchain technology in the processes of providing IP rights protection, processing information about IP objects and their use. 
In that framework, WIPO has prepared a blockchain white paper to further research opportunities and challenges, identify potential use cases and develop recommendations on interoperability and governance with respect to the IP ecosystem. The blockchain white paper recognized the importance of blockchain in the IP sector and shed light on its functionalities both from the public and private sector's points of view, digging into existing and potential use cases for blockchain in the IP field. The UIPO, too, has been analyzing the potential of blockchain technology in the IP field in the last few years, launching in 2017 eRegister, the very first European blockchain platform, i.e., an online tool, available at all times, that reveals free of charge and in real time, all the modifications that a specific file has undergone, intended as filings, communications, limitations and deletions of goods or service, cancellation and opposition procedures, etc. Moreover, on April 17, 2021, at 8.10, CT, the UAPO connected to TMView and DesignView, its two most important research services, via the blockchain to deliver trademark and design data in real time. The IP register in the blockchain embraces new technologies such as cloud, blockchain, big data, and artificial intelligence to configure and improve the services provided by the UAPO. The use of these new technologies makes the EU office a reference point for technology in the field of intellectual property. Where do we stand in Italy? In 2018, the Ministry of Economic Development, to which the Italian Patent and Trademark Office belongs, selected a group of 30 experts that elaborated the document proposals for an Italian strategy in the field of technologies based on shared ledgers and blockchain containing the guidelines to be followed to allow the development of this technology and define the reference context of the national strategy. Although the document was placed for public consultation, the COVID-19 pandemic made it difficult to disclose any results and to develop the national strategy envisaged. However, such a document is in any case fundamental as it has been useful to identify the main fields of application of this technology, which can become a very powerful tool for the protection and value of the made-in-Italy production chain and for combating, with greater effectiveness, the counterfeiting of products with more transparency for consumers. As per the acceptance of blockchain evidence before courts and administrative authorities, Italian courts are, in fact, increasingly admitting blockchain as a means of evidence, uploading a document to the blockchain in order to prove infringement and guarantee its immutability, may reveal itself as the best solution to demonstrate past and present counterfeits and best protect the client's IP rights. Even from an EU perspective, Italy appears to be one of the few countries that have interpreted NFTs from a legal standpoint, as mentioned by the EU Blockchain Observatory. Besides defining what NFTs are, the observatory shed light on the regulatory status in the EU by mentioning Germany and Italy as the only EU countries in possession of the necessary tools and making the proper steps towards the regulation of such matter. In line with this trend, three prestigious brand owners, the Italian Prada Group, LVMH and Cartier, Richemont, have launched a completely innovative joint project, or a blockchain consortium, the world's first blockchain platform dedicated to the luxury industry. Coming together in a non-profit association, the three groups gave life to an initiative that uses blockchain technology to guarantee consumers' transparency and traceability with respect to each brand's products. As explained by the consortium members, 
the blockchain platform allows consumers to have direct access to the history of the products they buy and their certificates of authenticity. The system allows to record all the information regarding the products in a secure and non-reproducible way and generate a unique certificate for the buyer in relation to the acquired product. Therefore, the consumer is guaranteed to have acquired the authentic product, created from a responsible raw material, and in a sustainable production process. Then, what is our role as IP professionals? In this scenario, our duty as IP professionals is, in the first instance, to keep updated on the new developments of technology, and to understand how they may affect our sector, as well as to encourage and promote their application, in order to be able to offer our companies and clients the best solutions for the protection of their IP rights. In our daily practice, our firm has used blockchain technology numerous times. One of the most frequent applications is the use of this technology as a time-stamping service, i.e., the so-called virtual notary, which allows the certification of ownership of documents through the use of a zero-knowledge technology. This means that the content of a document will never be disclosed on the blockchain, allowing complete confidentiality to be kept and full disclosure of possession of a particular document publicly available on the blockchain. Our service allows to associate any document with our clients by producing a document with a certified precise date and time, thus allowing our clients to possess evidence of ownership of a particular document, being it a design, preliminary information on a patent filing, know-how or trade secrets and so forth. The use of cryptography guarantees the integrity of the entire blockchain, and this makes it useful whenever it is requested to associate a specific date-slash-authorship to creative and innovative work, making it easily defendable and enforceable vis-à-vis third parties. Furthermore, we offer blockchain-based services that reveal to be extremely useful for the purposes of IP consultancy, assessing which intangible corporate-slash-private intellectual property rights can effectively be protected through this innovative tool. Indeed, often the same is suggested to clients as a sort of plan B, it is not infrequent that ideas, projects or products cannot benefit from the ordinary forms of protection, such as patents, designs or copyrights. Nonetheless, the client's primary concern is the recognition of authorship and the ownership of all associated rights in order to enforce them. In these cases, we found that the blockchain could step in to save the day. We indeed have uploaded many documents onto the blockchain for our clients from very different industries, ranging from software interfaces and website layouts to databases and card games, brands mascots, football team symbols and so forth. Moreover, as previously mentioned, blockchain technology may be effective also for product traceability. Indeed, the data of each supplier of a product or parts of a product may be uploaded to the blockchain. By means of specific tools, said information could then be available to the purchasers of said products in order to certify their authenticity. Blockchain may also be beneficial to clients in the case of counterfeiting of their own brands or products on the web. In such cases, Proof of infringement is essential to obtain the removal of the trademarks or the product from the market, being the infringement place, for example, an internet page or an e-commerce marketplace, as well as to evaluate possible damages. Particularly in online infringement cases, we suggest the client use the blockchain to crystallize the content of the website on that specific date. This allows proving the precise moment in time in which the infringement occurred, 
especially in cases in which the owner of the website decides to take down the page. In conclusion, blockchain technology is finding a multitude of applications in the field of intellectual property rights protection, becoming a fast, secure, and reliable tool to guarantee the authenticity of the processed information, ensure greater security in transactions and facilitate enforcement of IP rights. Will blockchain reveal to be a key tool for IP professionals in the future, too? Only time will tell. Page 58 and 59. Article. Disclaimer. Images relating to this article can only be viewed in the print and digital versions of this publication. The Swiss Brand. Written by Ursula in Alban, partner at Troller Hits Troller, Switzerland. Swiss products and services have a high economic value. There is hardly a Swiss trademark willing to forego the Swiss seal of quality. Many trademarks include a made in Switzerland or a small Swiss cross on their packaging as part of a Swissness strategy. In an increasingly globalized world, Swiss products and services enjoy an excellent reputation in Switzerland and abroad. This is because Swiss products and services are associated with exclusivity, tradition and quality. This high reputation inspires confidence, influences consumers' purchasing decisions and represents a clear competitive advantage for producers and service providers. The latter can position products and services associated with Switzerland in a higher price segment. In some cases, the price premium related to the Swiss trademark can be up to 20%. Swissness Strategy Swissness is used strategically not only to develop a trademark but also to revive Swiss trademarks. Central to this revival is a return to traditional values and especially to the long history of an existing trademark. In uncertain times, this provides consumers with a reference, they prefer to trust in the existing rather than in the unknown and untried. Reviving an old trademark also makes sense for economic reasons. It costs significantly less to rebuild and reposition an existing trademark than to introduce and make known a new trademark, especially if the possibility exists of falling back on an existing positive trademark image. In Switzerland, several examples of trademarks fell by the wayside and were then successfully revived, such as Bernago, Napoles, Vivicola or Wisa Gloria. Then there are other trademarks that came close to going under, such as Bali, Kandahar, Kunsli or Zimali. The watch industry has also experienced a wave of revitalized trademarks, in particular Blapain, Brigitte or Moser. These trademarks disappeared from view for many years. They are all associated with a long history, which in combination with good marketing, greatly assisted their resurrection. However, nostalgia alone is not sufficient for a successful trademark comeback. Trademark recognition in itself is not enough for a trademark to successfully compete once again. Customers must also be offered added value. Trademark recognition alone is not enough to sustain a product in competition. This could be seen, for example, in the relaunch of the VW Beetle and the Mini Cooper. The relaunch of the Mini Cooper was far more successful than the relaunch of the VW Beetle. This is partly due to the fact that the relaunch of the VW Beetle was based on pure nostalgia. The focus was essentially on the history of the car. On the other hand, with the Mini Cooper, the relaunch was backed by a trademark concept. In a very short space of time, the new Mini has come to embody an attitude to life, just like its predecessor 40 years ago. However, 
Two things are different, the car and the target group. The new Mini has nothing to do with its predecessor. Nevertheless, the old Mini did have a cult character, thus providing a sound basis for the relaunch of the trademark. The target group was oriented towards the modern milieu, consumers with high purchasing power, between 25 and 40 years old, who love aesthetics and design and do not regard the car as a status symbol. In addition, the Mini was the first world car in the small car segment. Relaunch in the case of the Zimmerli trademark for 150 years, close to women, traditional values, expansion in the luxury segment. An example of the successful development and relaunch of a Swiss trademark is the Zimmerli trademark. I have chosen this example because this trademark was founded 150 years ago by a woman and is still essentially maintained by women today for 150 years, close to women. Every day, some 50 women in the south of Switzerland sew around 1,300 pieces of underwear. Each piece is handmade in a process consisting of an average of 18 steps. The Swiss lingerie manufacturer Zimmerli was founded by Pauline Zimmerli. She began with the machine production of stockings and men's socks. She soon hired women to help with production. In 1874, she invented a knitting machine and began producing ribbed fabrics and underwear. The goods also began to be exported and caused a sensation at the Paris World's Fair in 1878. In the same year, the fine knitted products went on sale in the Parisian department store Le Bon Marché. The company continued to develop, a factory was opened, and it won several awards, such as the gold medal at the World's Fairs in Paris in 1889 and 1900 in Brussels in 1910. The company was hard hit by a structural crisis in the textile industry. Moreover, the trademark became less clearly defined, and there was disagreement about the company's future strategy and hence of the trademark. In the early 1990s, the company was on the verge of collapse. In 1998, the Zimmerli trademark experienced a revival with the resumption of lingerie production and a strategy based on the following pillars. The company's great Swiss history dating back to 1871. Production in Switzerland with excellent quality standards. An expansion strategy consistently geared towards the luxury sector. This strategy was extremely successful. The relaunch of the Zimmerli trademark was supported by Hollywood stars. Halle Berry wore Zimmerli underwear in the film Gothica, and Hugh Jackman fought in the legendary Richelieu tank top in Wolverine. Swiss double-ribbed tank tops were also worn in the films Rocky and Matrix and many other films. Another example is the style-conscious kicker David Beckham. He posed in his 2009 calendar in a Zimmerli tank top. Zimmerli apparently did not pay him a penny. This is quite remarkable, given that Beckham received 28 million euros a year from Armani for only wearing Armani underwear. Zimmerli has successfully applied the Swissness strategy. It rebuilt an old trademark with a positive image, focusing on its long-standing Swiss tradition in knitwear and on Swiss quality. It also focused consistently on the luxury segment. Relaunch in the case of the Napoles trademark, traditional values and repositioning. Another example of a revival is the Swiss trademark, Napoles. Napoles is a premium sportswear trademark. Established in 1821 in Switzerland, the Napoles trademark places emphasis on classiness and quality with distinctive and discreet looks. 
Napoles sportswear could previously be found in all Swiss sports clubs, everyone wore Napoles. Even the national football team sang the Swiss anthem in Napoles tracksuits at the 1968 World Cup. At the 1968 Olympic Games, 11 nations marched in wearing trainers bearing the Napoles logo. Later on, however, Napoles was unable to hold its own against big players such as Puma, Adidas, and Nike. In 1992, the company ceased operations. Almost 20 years later, in 2010, Napoles embarked on the relaunch and repositioning of its trademark. The repositioning centered on shedding the trainer image and repositioning itself as a fashion trademark. Napoles used marketing claims such as, born and reborn in Switzerland 1821-2012 or for living legends. Sportswear pioneer, Est. 1821 in Switzerland. Napoles also refers to its trademark as Marc der Est and Stunder, pioneering trademark. Today, the label makes premium casual sportswear and competes with Bogner and Moncler. Swissness legislation. The success of the Swiss trademark has also led to an increase in the misuse of Swissness at home and abroad. This damages the credibility of the Switzerland country of origin status. To prevent such abuse, Switzerland has had Swissness legislation in place since 2017. It protects the designation Switzerland and the Swiss cross and is intended to preserve the value of the Swiss trademark. A Swiss cross may in principle only be used to market a product if a large part of the product originates from Switzerland and is manufactured in Switzerland. For processed foods, for example, 80% of the raw materials must come from Switzerland. For industrial products, the main manufacturing step must take place in Switzerland, and at least 60% of the production costs must be incurred here. There are numerous exceptions to these rules. For example, under pressure from the food industry, the legislature has approved over 60 exceptions, especially for Swiss chocolate. This is because cocoa is not grown in Switzerland, making it impossible to comply with the 80% rule. Only sugar and milk still come from Swiss agricultural sources. The purely decorative use of the Swiss cross or the designation Switzerland is unproblematic and not bound by regulations, provided their use does not give rise to the false impression that the product in question is a Swiss product. Decorative use is deemed to exist if the Swiss cross is used merely as a design element and not as a distinguishing feature and hence as a mark. Page 60. Advertisement. Carrion Jones IP. Specialist in patent work relating to software-implemented technologies, including blockchain, cryptocurrency, artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, and fintech. Patent drafting. IP strategy, prosecution, and FTO, and infringement opinions. Telephone, plus 4407309030020, email, syrian at syrianjonesip.com. Address. Bristol and Bath Science Park. Dirac Crescent, Emerson Green, Bristol BS167FR, UK. Page 61. Profile. The United Kingdom. Name, Dr. Syrian Jones. Law firm name, Syrian Jones IP. Country, United Kingdom. Position, Founder and Director. Contact. Syrian at syrianjonesip.com. 
Syrian developed an early love of language and science thanks to a mother who studied classics and a bilingual, bookworm father who, as an architect, also infused scientific, mathematical, and engineering influences. When it came time to go to university, though, Syrian chose the language route and gained an honors degree in English. Still not wanting to leave university, she completed an M.Sc. in computing which then led naturally into a perfect fusion of language and computing science by way of a Ph.D. in artificial intelligence, natural language processing, at Durham University, the U.K., in the days long before A.I. became a buzzword. Eleven years then followed as a university lecturer in computing science in Canada. During this time, Syrian decided to go to law school part-time to satisfy a long-standing curiosity about the legal profession. Although moving back to the U.K., in 2006 seemed a perfect time to make a career change and finally leave university, a background in language, computing science, and law seemed an incongruous combination of academic disciplines. Until that is, she discovered what patent attorneys do for a living. Drafting, prosecution, and commercial leverage of software-related patents are a natural mix of all three of those disciplines. When drafting a set of patent claims, you to understand the inventor's creation at a fundamental, technical level. This is especially important when it comes to software due to the additional legal complications that the subject matter attracts in various jurisdictions. You also need to abstract away from all unnecessary elements to arrive at the essential features of the invention to ascertain the core, inventive concept, abstraction is a common and necessary skill in various forms within computing. You then need the natural language skills to express that inventive concept broadly yet succinctly. Finally, of course, you need to understand the legal framework within which the patent will be prosecuted, commercialized, and possibly enforced. It is perhaps unsurprising, then, that as a European patent attorney, Syrian represents world-leading clients who produce disruptive, game-changing technologies in a variety of software-related sectors. She has extensive experience and a niche specialism in drafting, prosecuting, and commercializing patents in various technical fields such as blockchain and cryptocurrency, fintech and the payments industry, cybersecurity, AI, and telecoms. Syrian is a co-founder of the U.K.'s largest cybersecurity cluster and chairperson of the Blockchain Connected Initiative in Wales, UK. She is a regular speaker at conferences on I.P. software patents, blockchain, and related topics. In her spare time, she is out walking with family and the dogs, or wielding a spade at her allotment, or enjoying a fun night out with friends, and generally enjoying the good life. Page 62. Women's IP World Annual 2022. Africa. Sponsored by Lex Orbis Intellectual Property Attorneys in India and Patent Seekers, the Global IP Searchers in the United Kingdom. Page 63 and 64. Nigeria. Article. The Challenges of Artificial Intelligence on Intellectual Property 1. Written by Deborah. F. Toluwales. Associate at Stillwater's law firm, Nigeria. Author bio, Deborah Toluwales is a graduate of law from the prestigious Obafemi Awolawo University in Nigeria and the Nigerian Law School. 
She is a member of the Intellectual Property Department and Dispute Resolution Team in the firm and an assistant research team lead for the firm's newsletter. There has been an explosion of technologies that are transforming how we work and live in an increasingly interconnected digital world. The emergence of frontier technologies too is at the heart of what is sometimes termed the fourth industrial revolution, hence, the IP system needs to continue promoting innovation in the age of frontier technologies. In today's global innovation economy, the demand for various IPR-related matters like trademarks, patents, copyrights, industrial designs, domain names to mention a few, is increasing at a high pace and becoming more complex. Artificial intelligence, AI, one of the frontier technologies, has emerged as a general-purpose technology with widespread applications throughout the economy and society. The benefits of AI technology are varied and could genuinely have the potential to revolutionize many aspects of life, including the world of IP. Still, its introduction also poses several challenges within the IP industry that need to be addressed not just now but in the nearest future. This article seeks to explore some of the challenges of one of the frontier technologies artificial intelligence, AI, on intellectual property. Artificial intelligence. AI is generally considered a discipline of computer science that aims to develop machines and systems that can carry out tasks considered to require human intelligence. It could also be defined as the ability of a computer-controlled product to perform tasks that only intelligent beings can do. Intellectual property systems have been designed to incentivize human innovation and creation. Until very recently, such innovation and creation were one of the defining characteristics of the human species. Challenges Ownership of intellectual property There is no doubt that AI machines have the ability to create subject matter which can be protected by IP. As the ownership of a trademark is not linked to the person who devised the mark, it is unlikely to have any implications on trademark ownership if an AI machine creates your trademark. Still, for other forms of IP, the ownership of AI-created matter is a hot topic. The first owner of a work protected by copyright is generally the author or the person who created it. In all these cases, ownership is directly linked to the creation of the subject matter. Therefore, if AI machines can create the subject matter, does this make the AI machine the first owner of the IP? Allowing AI to own IP has consequences in the field of enforcement of IP. Infringement of intellectual property, if it is accepted that an AI machine can generate subject matter, who will be held responsible if that subject matter infringes third-party IP? However, this challenge is relevant, especially in the context of an infringement of copyright which involves actual copying from the copyrighted source, that is, the author of a work that infringed the copyright of a third party must have had access to that copyrighted work. Again, the concept of AI creating subject matter raises a number of complex legal queries, does an AI machine have sufficient legal personality to be sued for infringement? If not, who is responsible for the infringement of copyright by an AI machine and is it just to hold an individual to account for the actions of the AI machine and would this individual meet the criteria of having copied the work? Question mark 3. Liability challenges, since AI machines can create subject matters, it is worth considering that they can also be held liable in some situations. Artificial intelligence could be subjected to allegations of violation of copyright, trade secrets, 
or even data privacy if it analyzes the investment plans of a business or personalizes big data to a marketing advertisement by auto-copying details from different sources. Role of a new consumer and skilled person challenge, with the emergence of technologies such as Amazon Dash buttons, and home appliances that can reorder staple groceries when you run out, it is conceivable to see a world where an AI machine will order your shopping for you. Therefore, we must ask ourselves what impact this will have on the average consumer for trademark law. Is it possible for an AI machine to be confused and order the wrong product? Could an AI machine raise the level of attention paid by the relevant consumer if it ever becomes commonplace that certain goods are ordered by AI and not selected by humans? There is also the question in patent law on whether the concept of a skilled person will change as a result of the surge in AI technologies. A skilled person is a notional person that appears in the EPO and UK legal provisions, including when considering inventive steps. The skilled person is considered to know concepts and terminology in the field of the application and will have means for routine work and experimentation. Should the notional skilled person be assumed to have access to commonly used AI tools? If this is the case, does it make it easier to find a lack of inventive steps for AI-related inventions or perhaps all inventions? If new legislation allows patents for inventions made solely by an AI system, could the skilled person then also be an AI system? Question mark four. Conclusion There have been a lot of ongoing debates at the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, with respect to the several questions and challenges that this topic AI generates. However, despite the controversies and challenges, there is a need to develop a practical and appropriate way to deal with the current situation. In the near future, artificial intelligence will have a dramatic effect on what it means to be human and even can perform what normal humans cannot. There must be a proper balance between the utilization and commercialization of the innovation created by artificial intelligence so it can provide reasonable benefits to the artificial intelligence machine and benefit the public at large. We can say that it must be of public interest. Five. Same page. Quarter page advertisement. Pakarenko and Partners. IP and Commercial Law. IPR Protection and Enforcement. Litigation. Corporate and Commercial Law. Advertising and Media Law. Pharmaceutical Law. Competition Law. Main Office. 7. Velkia Vasilkivska, 01350, Kiev, Ukraine. Tell. 3804459393963 Fax 3804445140048 Pakarenko at pakarenko.com.ua Page 65 Advertisement Stillwater's law firm People Integrity Service Nigeria Angola OAPI Protecting ideas in Africa Services Intellectual property, media, entertainment, technology, sports and litigation. Second floor, 11, Awalowo Road, Vikoi, Lagos. P.O. Box 56161, Ikoi, 101008, Lagos, Nigeria. Tell, 234, 0, 1454-7179-234. 
234-01454-4919. Email info at stillwaterslaw.com or admin at stillwaterslaw.com. www.stillwaterslaw.com. Page 66. Advertisements times 2. Jackson, Eddie and Edu is a full-service law firm with a sector focus, rendering legal services to Nigerian, Pan-African, and international clients in diverse jurisdictions. With over 20, 25, years of valuable corporate experience, our lawyers have gained expertise in advising and acting for clients on a wide range of subject matters. We have distinguished ourselves further by adopting a sector-focused approach to service delivery which allows us to serve our clients with insider knowledge of their specific industries. This strategic focus is a key differentiating factor and has helped us build a reputation for providing specialist advice. The applicable sectors are Energy and Infrastructure Fast-moving consumer goods Financial services Health and pharmaceuticals Public sector Technology, media, and entertainment For our clients, this approach means working with legal advisors who are fully focused on their business, with substantial insight on the peculiar challenges that they encounter and having solutions fully tuned into their needs. We have won numerous awards by the IFLR 1000, Chambers Global, MIPIMIA, Esquire Nigerian Legal Awards 2021 etc., which can be found on our website. https colon slash slash g Africa slash our awards slash IPZEN Intellectual property made easy Trademark portfolio and cases management Designed by IP lawyers for IP professionals Law firms and corporations Collaborative and intuitive solution, hosted on a highly secure private cloud with a dedicated virtual machine, IPZen gives you the ability to work anywhere and anytime on your entire cases and trademarks. Keep your data secure. One encrypted virtual machine per client, with your own data storage. Communication encrypted with an SSL certificate. Hourly backup, monitoring 24-7, virtual machines are replicated in another data center case management, integrated invoicing, and more. For a free demonstration or further information, contact at ipzen.com to call plus 33018 for 1,745.32. www.ipzen.com Page 67. Profile. Nigeria. Name, Ngozi Adera Bigbay. Law firm, Jackson. Etty and Edu. Position, Partner. Country, Nigeria. Website, www.jee.africa. Ngozi Aderabigbe is a partner and head of the intellectual property practice of Jackson, Etty, and Edu. She also doubles as the head of the firm's technology, media and entertainment sector. Her legal expertise, passion, and intricate knowledge of the sector set her apart as a thought leader. Ngozi is a seasoned legal practitioner with over a decade of experience in niche areas of law-spanning intellectual property law, privacy and data protection, patent protection, technology licensing, brand protection, and intellectual property litigation. 
Ngozi has been involved in providing strategic intellectual property advisory in several high-profile commercial transactions, including mergers and acquisitions, equity financing, and IP securitization. She has also led teams of experts in conducting intellectual property audits for several companies, including one of Africa's leading telecommunications companies. In the technology space, Ngozi has extensive experience in advising in technology transactions. She routinely advises the full range of technology companies, from global technology companies operating transnationally to tech startups at the ideation stage, on legal issues impacting their business. Ngozi also advises creatives and corporates on intellectual property issues affecting their business. She is particularly passionate about helping creatives and corporates to get the best commercial and strategic value out of their intellectual property rights. Academic Qualifications Harvard Business School, Executive Program University of London, LLM In Corporate Commercial Law Obafemi Awolawo University, LLM Nigerian Law School, BL University of Nigeria, LLB Professional Membership Activities, Chairperson, Intellectual Property Committee, NBA Section on Business Law. Member, 2020 Nigerian Sport Industry Policy Drafting Committee. Ex officio, Sports, Media and Entertainment Committee of the Section on Business Law of the Section on Business Law of the Nigerian Bar Association. Subgroup Head. Policy Formulation Committee for Sports Thematic Group of the Nigerian Economic Summit Group, NESG. Member, International Trademark Association, INTA. Member, Nigerian Bar Association. Ex officio, Sports, Media and Entertainment Committee of the Section on Business Law of the Section on Business Law of the Nigerian Bar Association. Subgroup Head. Policy Formulation Committee for Sports Thematic Group of the Nigerian Economic Summit Group, NESG. Faculty Member, African Franchise Institute. Areas of Specialization. IP and Technology Licensing, Patent Protection, Franchising, Brand Protection slash Anti-Counterfeiting, Intellectual Property Litigation, Privacy and Data Protection and Media and Entertainment. Page 68. Article. The African Continental Free Trade Area, Implications for Brand Owners Written by Ngozi Aderabigbe, Partner and Head of the Intellectual Property Department, Jackson Etty, and Edu, Nigeria. www.jee.africa In a bid to create a single, continent-wide market for goods and services, for the free movement of persons, businesses, and investments, the AFCFTA was established to help expand intra-African trade through trade liberalization across Africa. The AFCFTA Agreement 1 entered into force on 30 May 2019. Transactions in the AFCFTA are to be governed by protocols covering trade in goods, services, investment, intellectual property rights, IPRs, and competition policy among the member states, as this would help resolve the challenges of multiple and overlapping trade regimes to achieve policy coherence, including relations with third parties. As of January 2022, only 40 of the 54 signatories, 74%, have signed and deposited their instruments of AFCFTA ratification, ordered by date. 2. The AFCFTA negotiations are scheduled in phases. 
Phase I covers trade in goods and trade in services. Phase II covers IPRs, investment, and competition policy. In February 2020, the African Union, AU, Assembly of the Heads of State and Government adopted a decision to commence Phase III on e-commerce immediately after Phase II negotiations. Phase II negotiations to adopt protocols on competition policy, investment, and intellectual property rights, IPRs, are currently underway. 3. Given the number of participating countries in the African Continental Free Trade Area, AFCFTA, the World Bank has reported that the AFCFTA will create the largest free trade area in the world, as it connects 1.3 billion people across 55 countries with a combined gross domestic product, GDP, valued at US$3.4 trillion. It has the potential to lift 30 million people out of extreme poverty, however, achieving its full potential will depend on putting in place significant policy reforms and trade facilitation measures. Four. Brand protection. A brand is a name, term, design, symbol, or any other feature that serves to identify and distinguish the source of a particular product or service, and this is also known as a trademark. Given the importance of a brand to any business entity, it is necessary to ensure the protection of a brand. This can take the form of any security measure to safeguard the brand against counterfeiters and infringers of intellectual property. These measures help protect the brand from not only monetary loss but also the business reputation. Given its importance, it counts as a valuable business asset, and one of the most effective forms of brand protection is trademark registration and enforcement of rights. The implications of African continental free trade area for brand owners. AFCFTA has established a single, continent-wide market to promote intra-African trade, which heralds various business opportunities for brand owners of member states. However, while businesses are gearing up to take on new opportunities, it is necessary to state that there are twofold implications of the AFCFTA for brand owners. Larger market, the AFCFTA creates a larger market for brand owners to market their products, and this in itself can be translated to a high volume of sales and increased revenue for brand owners. Accessible introduction of new products and services, the launch of new products or services would be more seamless, as market penetration to the various AFCFTA member states is made less burdensome by a single market. Expansion into new markets, the AFCFTA creates an avenue for brand owners to enter new markets they probably would not have entered due to customs procedures, tariffs, and other cross-border bottlenecks and create more brand awareness. More extensive customer base, if well utilized, a larger market can seamlessly translate to a larger customer base, and this has been made possible by a single market. Fostering collaboration among brand owners, having a single market would foster collaboration among brand owners and give birth to new products and services. The probability of increased mergers and acquisitions among brand owners exists. Attract foreign investments. The AFCFTA better positions brand owners to foreign investments, as there is a larger market for their products and services. Regardless of all the pros associated with AFCFTA, if brand owners fail to put necessary measures in place to protect their brands, it can lead to a plethora of intellectual property theft, such as trademark squatting, use of confusingly similar brands, brand abuse by counterfeiters, 
competitors providing substandard products or services in association with a brand name, etc. Conclusion For brand owners to fully enjoy the benefits of AFCFTA, they must have measures in place to protect their brand identities, such as registration of their intellectual property to allow for priority rights and easy enforcement, be proactive to monitor products in participating countries to allow for quick enforcement when there is an infringement, sign non-disclosure agreements with partners where applicable, have a strong social media presence and monitor counterfeiters, create customer awareness about their brand identity, educating consumers of the harmful effect of counterfeited products among other awareness obligations. Page 69. Women's IP World 2022. Asia. Sponsored by Lex Orbis Intellectual Property Attorneys in India and Patent Seekers, the Global IP Searchers in the United Kingdom. Page 70. Advertisement. Lex Orbis. Intellectual Property Attorneys. Your most trusted IP partner. New Delhi, Mumbai, Bengaluru. Website, www.lexorbis.com. Email, mail at luxorbis.com. Telephone, plus 91, 112, 371, 656, 5. Page 71. Profile Times 2. India. Name, Manisha Singh. Law firm name, Lex, Orbis. Country, India. Position, managing partner. Website, www.lexorbis.com. Manisha Singh is a founder and the managing partner of Lex Orbis. She overviews and supervises all practice groups at the firm. Starting her career at the time when Indian IP laws and practices were undergoing substantial changes pursuant to India's obligations to comply with the TRIPS agreement, Manisha played an important and crucial role in advising and apprising Indian policy and lawmakers on global standards associated with IP administrative and enforcement systems. Manisha is known and respected for her deep expertise in prosecution and enforcement of all forms of IP rights and for strategizing and managing global patents, trademarks, and designs portfolios of large global and domestic companies. Her keen interest in using and deploying the latest technology tools and processes has immensely helped the firm develop efficient IP service delivery models and provide best-in-the-class services. She is also known for her sharp litigation and negotiation skills for both IP and non-IP litigations and dispute resolution. She is involved in a large number of intellectual property litigations with a focus on patent litigations covering all technical fields, particularly pharmaceuticals, telecommunications, and mechanics. She has been involved in and successfully resolved various trademarks, copyright, design infringement, and passing off cases in the shortest possible time and the most cost-efficient manner applying out-of-box strategies and thinking. She is an active member of many associations like Inter, APAR, APLA, API, LAY, FICPI, and is actively involved in their committee work. She is an active writer and regularly authors articles and commentaries for some of the top IP publications. Awards ALB Top Dispute Lawyers, 2020 Manisha Singh recognized as one of the top dispute lawyers. India Business Law Journal, 2020, Manisha Singh recognized as one of India's top 100 lawyers, the A-list. I Am Strategy 300, 
2020 Manisha Singh has been recognized as the world's leading IP strategist. I am 1000, 2020 Manisha Singh is recognized as a recommended individual. Managing IP, 2020 Manisha Singh recognized as IP Star 2020 for patent litigation, patent strategy and counseling. Manisha Singh recognized as Star Women in Law for the Year by Legal Era Legal Media Group, 2020. WTR 1000, 2020, Manisha Singh ranked among the recommended individuals. Name, Amaya Singh. Law firm name, Lex, Orbis. Country, India. Position, Partner. Website, www.lexorbis.com. Amaya is a partner at Lex Orbis, with over 17 years of experience in the field of trademarks, she has acquired expertise in all nuances of the trademark laws, ranging from national and international filings, prosecution, assignments, recordals, renewals, oppositions, and cancellation actions. She regularly advises clients on allied areas of trademark enforcement, such as brand protection and domain name acquisition. Amaya also regularly advises clients ranging from startups and small and medium-scale enterprises in identifying and protecting their IP assets in India as well as internationally and is responsible for large IP portfolios from various industries, including media and entertainment, pharmaceuticals, foods, and beverages, computer software, fashion, sports, automobiles, liquor, etc. She regularly represents Lex Orbis in several national and international IP conferences and events throughout the year. In addition, Amaya is also in charge of the group for research, publications, and programs at Lex Orbis and heads the firm's overall operations. Page 72 and 73. Article. Court illuminates upon the overlap of copyright infringement and confidentiality law. Written by Manisha Singh Partner and Ritika Agarwal, Managing Associate at Lex Orbis, India. www.lexorbis.com In the recent case of Tarun Wadva v. Saragama India Limited and Anne decided on January 13, 2022, the Bombay High Court reflected upon the connection of copyright infringement and confidentiality law and observed that ideas are not copyrightable. Still, they can be protected by bringing them under the purview of the confidentiality law. The facts. This case concerned an allegation by the plaintiff, Tarun Wadva, of copyright infringement and breach of confidentiality. In the plaintiff's case, he had created a synopsis and a screenplay, Hyla Zombie, which was shared with the defendant. The defendant admitted to the same. The plaintiff alleged that the defendant's movie Zombavilli was based on his screenplay and sought an injunction against the release of the movie. In order to prove this, the plaintiff showed the similarities in the story of the movie and his screenplay. In doing so, the plaintiff considered locations, specifics of plot mechanisms and picturization. The plaintiff alleged that the, the germ of an idea for a zombie comedy-based plot had been derived from his screenplay. The defendant infringed his copyright and violated confidentiality by using his screenplay for creating their movie Zombavilli. In contrast, the defendant stated that there was a stark difference between their movie and the plaintiff's screenplay. The genre of the plaintiff's screenplay being comical is different from the one behind the defendant's movie's storyline being grim and realistic, 
the defendant stated that the examples of similarities pointed out by the plaintiff were, in reality, sena fair, or a scene that must be done, for a storyline or idea behind zombie movies, over which no exclusive rights can be claimed by any one party. The locations over which the plaintiff claims monopoly are actually common to the city itself. No one can claim exclusivity by describing or using any of these. The judgment. The judgment noted that the key allegation of the plaintiff was that the defendant's movie incorporated a significant part of his screenplay and that the movie was centered on critical or crucial aspects of this screenplay. The single judge further noted that the plaintiff, in fact, did not allege that the defendant had replicated his screenplay and did not allege originality in any one component or that there was a scene-by-scene reproduction. To establish his case involving the breach of confidentiality by the defendant, the crucial factor on which the plaintiff relied was the truth that the screenplay was revealed by the plaintiff to the defendant. The court stated that breach of confidentiality and copyright infringement were closely tied. The former is frequently claimed for matters that cannot be the subject of copyright infringement. An idea, in particular, cannot be the subject of a copyright infringement action. The court also observed this in a similar case, Z Entertainment Enterprises Limited v Sony Pictures Private Limited and Oars, Air 2017 Bomb 221. But it may be the subject of breach of confidentiality. Either may yield a broadly similar injunction. There is no copyright in India except as provided by the Copyright Act, 1957. But this is not in derogation of a claim of breach of trust or confidence. The court further stated that the confidence law is perhaps broader than copyright law. It protects the substance of ideas and information, irrespective of the mode of communication. There is no copyright in an idea, but only in the form of its expression. Copyright is a right in rem, but a confidence obligation is entirely in personam. The court further stated that there is no copyright except as provided by the statute, and infringement is also prescribed by statute. A confidence obligation is one in contract or equity, or both. There are statutory defenses to a copyright infringement action. These do not apply to a breach of confidence action. The distinction between copyright and confidence assumes importance where, say, a manuscript has been submitted for publication. An obligation not to use the submitted manuscript may be implied and enforced under confidence law. It may extend to a plot or a developed idea that may not otherwise be protected by copyright. However, in order to identify if the idea, which is allegedly disclosed in breach of the confidence law, can be termed as confidential or not, the court relied on the test given in the case of Z Telefilms Limited v Sundial Communications Private Limited and Oars, 2003. In this case, the court held that in a breach of confidence action, the plaintiff must, I, identify clearly the information relied on, Two, show that it was handed over in circumstances of confidence, Three, show that it was information that had to be treated as confidential, and, four, show that it was used or threatened to be used without consent. It is an important point to note that the plaintiff did not claim originality of his screenplay when seeking copyright protection. He rather particularly sought protection for the arrangement of the various elements of the movie. The plaintiff also did not claim that his composition of the plot was largely copied by the defendant. It was rather alleged that individual components were used by the defendant. 
Hence, in the court's opinion, the plaintiff failed to present a clear and unambiguous identification of the proprietary, original material other than that which was copyright protected and said to be confidential. Copyright and Confidentiality While the court concluded that the breach of confidentiality and copyright infringement offers a similar remedy in the form of an injunction, it also emphasized that copyright and confidentiality law operate in different realms. The minimum requirements for the two vary. The court made it clear that the copyright law has a superior threshold for what can be protected. For copyright infringement, it is necessary to prove that there is an overlap in the expression of an idea. On the other hand, for breach of confidentiality, the prerequisites must be fulfilled, that the information is not existing in the public domain and the transmission of this information in confidence, either explicitly or in an inferred manner. Dot. Make that bold step. Your IP registration and enforcement are assured with us. Anku Anku at Law, Ghana. Winner of Top 50 Legal Slash IP Companies Award. Anku Anku at Law. Legal Practitioners and Intellectual Property Consultants. Number 10 Plateau Street, Off Muko Street, Behind Police Training School, Accra. P. O. Box KB 331, Koilbu, Accra, Ghana. Cell, plus 2,332-443-801-63, plus 2,333-022-667-31. Website, www.onkuatlaw.com. Email, info onkuatlaw.com. Page 74. Profile. India. Name, Dr. Joshita Devar Kamani. Law firm, L.S. Devar & Co. Country, India. Position, Managing Partner. Website, www.lsdevar.org.in. Dr. Joshita Devar Kamani has revolutionized the Indian IP industry with her leadership. Dr. Joshita Devar Kamani is the current managing partner at L.S. Devar and CO, a full-service intellectual property law firm established in 1932 by the late Mr. L.S. Devar, an attorney at law. Skilled in client relationships, litigation, management, intellectual property, and trademarks, Dr. Joshita Devar Kamani has dominated the Indian legal space for more than 30 years. With zonal offices in Delhi and Bengaluru and associates in over 145 countries, Dr. Joshita Devar Kamani significantly increased its legal services wings. Under her leadership, the firm has received several accolades, awards, and recognition by prestigious and globally recognized organizations on various international platforms. Hers is a list of proud moments as the firm has received accolades in the Indian IP fraternity. Top 100 Powerful Women in Law by World IP Forum Recognized as the IP Boutiques of the Year in the Year 2020 by the Asia IP IP Star, Ranked Firm for the Years 2018, 2019 and 2020 by the Most Prestigious IP Stars Recognized as the Most Trusted IP Law Firm in 2018, 2019 and 2020 by the Economic Times, ET IPR Leadership Award 2020 by Social Talks in association with Niti Log. We are also members of Inter, 
Api, Apa, Ector, and Apla. Dr. Joshita Devar Kamani, Vice President, Busti Welfare Center, has been actively involved in the mission of the BWC. Imparting free education to the underprivileged children to make them self-supporting happens to be one of our primary goals, she says proudly. BWC is operating with 500 students studying from nursery to class 7. All expenses like books, uniforms, and tuition fees are borne by the organization, says Dr. Joshita Devar Kamani, the vice president. Dr. Joshita Devar Kamani's demonstrated leadership quality and decision-making abilities have made this firm stand tall in the legal space. With nearly 90 years of glorious experience and expertise in the domain, her legal team offers professional services in handling, protecting, and enforcing a multifaceted portfolio of patents, trademarks, designs, copyrights, domain name, and geographical indication. Being a great place to work, several attorneys have been with the firm for more than 25 years, and their dedication has made client retention for more than 30 years. Services offered by LS Devar and CO includes the following sectors, software, IT, IoT, AI, biotechnology, information communication and technology, ICT, food and beverages, automobile, liquor and spirits, mechanical, electrical, electronics and hydraulics in manufacturing, fashion and textile, startups FMCGs, media and entertainment, academic and research institutes, pharmaceuticals and healthcare, Indian government undertakings. Dr. Joshita Devar Kamani's influence, administrative quality and guidance has given rise to dedicated departments and advisory services under the following heads. Patents, trademarks, designs, copyrights, geographical indications, domain disputes, annuities and renewals, infringement and counterfeit, agreements and licensing, IP audit, due diligence, dispute resolution, advisory services, biodiversity, data privacy, and protection, media and entertainment laws. Dr. Joshita Devar Kamani and her team have been relentlessly offering top-level legal services and helping their clients build a strong IP portfolio and ensure a competitive advantage. Page 75. Article. Initiatives by the Indian government to encourage women participation in innovation and entrepreneurship. Written by Dr. Joshita Devar Kamani, Managing Partner and Principal Attorney at L.S. Devar & Co., India www.lsdevar.org.in It is encouraging to note that about 43% of science, technology, engineering and mathematics graduates, STEM, in India could be women, which is the highest in the world. However, women's share in such jobs in India is meagre at 14%. The poor conversion rate is attributed to the fact that most STM graduates pursue another career or don't work at all. This indeed is a waste of talent. It is imperative that this ratio is bettered since women hold the key to the door to progress. For instance, in Sweden, women's share in STEM degrees and jobs are 35% and 34%, respectively, suggesting India needs to employ all the STEM graduates they generate every year to rise up the innovation index. Since assuming office, Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi has shown his commitment to supporting the greater participation of women scientists. He has been working on a vision, Science for Masses, where women scientists have a more significant role. The Department of Science and Technology, 
DST, has come up with various programs such as Vijian Jyoti, Kiran, Curie, and CERB aimed at increasing female presence in science, technology and innovation while taking care of disruption of the career of women scientists due to situational changes. CERB, for instance, intends to introduce more women scientists in the RAND ecosystem. The fellowship and grants under the scheme intend to cultivate a women-friendly culture in the academic and research institutes and ensure more women in leadership positions in the decision-making process. In a first, the Atal Ranking of Institutions on Innovation Achievement, Araya, 2020 ranked women institutes separately under a special category. Although there was not much participation in its first year of launch, seeing some institutes featuring at the top of the ranking will certainly motivate others to participate. It will provide much-needed encouragement to women in the field of innovation. The introduction of this special category may improve the ecosystem, and young girls will have more role models. This is important since women prefer STEM less due to a lack of role models. Looking at the gender gap in intellectual property, Preliminary WIPO statistics reveal that in 2019 less than one-fifth of inventors named in international patent applications were women. This share has taken 25 years to almost double from 9.5% in 1995 to 18.7% in 2019. While numbers are going in the right direction, at the current pace, parity among PCT-listed inventors will only be reached in 2044. It is also interesting to see that countries such as Togo, Uganda, and Latvia have the most female inventors who comfortably top the most innovative countries such as the USA in this department. The Department for Promotion of Industry and Internal Trade, PIAT, the parent organization of the Indian Patent Office, also took the initiative in this direction to close the gender gap in intellectual property and, particularly, patents. Now, A patent application filed by a female innovator can be examined expeditiously with a view to promoting women entrepreneurship in the country. As per the revised rules, if the applicant or at least one of the applicants in a group seeking a patent is a female, that application would get an expedited examination by the Indian Patent Office. While, as a global IP community, we are in the early stages of addressing the IP gender gap, the challenges are generally known, if not as well understood as they should be, owing to a lack of data. Based on what has been tried so far, policymakers can consider enacting their own versions of others' programs and policies. The poor participation of women in entrepreneurship and innovation is not only about gender inequality. It also affects families, communities, and societies at large. It also impacts job creation. The Indian government is working on multiple fronts to provide women innovators access to capital, resources, market knowledge, support networks, mentorship, jobs, commercialization support, and other incentives. These initiatives, among others, help women innovators build professional industry contacts, increasing their ability to participate in innovation. Also, Support to commercialize the patents will give the women innovators a solid reason to participate in innovation and entrepreneurship. If women are left out of these 21st century revolutions, we will not achieve sustainable innovation for a prosperous future. On the policy front, we need to work harder to close the entrenched gender gap in innovation, entrepreneurship, and IP. With the initiatives taken by the Indian government, 
We are hopeful that we will not only close the IP and innovation gender gap, but successfully better the ratio of participation of women in STEM degrees and jobs in the next few decades, if not more. Page 76. Advertisement. United Trademark and Patent Service. Intellectual Property Attorneys. Your reliable partners for intellectual property matters in Pakistan, South Asia, Arabian Gulf Middle East and Africa. Trademark, patent, design, copyright, domain name registration, litigation and enforcement law. Regional Head Office. Suites 401-402, Al-Hawai Tower, Sheikh Zayed Road, Dubai, UAE. Telephone plus 971-4343-754. Fax plus 971-4343-7546. Email dubai at unitedtm.com or unitedtrademark at unitedtm.com. Websites www.utmps.com or www.unitedip.com. Page 77. Profile. Dubai, United Arab Emirates. Name, Maria Farouk Irfan Khan. Law firm, United Trademark and Patent Services. Country, United Arab Emirates. Position, Senior Partner. Website, www.utmps.com. Ms. Maria Farouk Irfan Khan graduated from Wellesley College with a major in biochemistry and a minor in Spanish. She was a Commonwealth Scholar at the University of Cambridge, from where she holds a BA-MA, Law Tripos. Maria was called to the Bar of England and Wales as a member of Lincoln's Inn and was a recipient of the Hardwick Award. Subsequently, she has worked in leading international law firms in London and New York. Maria is a senior partner at United Trademark and Patent Services and spends most of her time at the firm's offices in the UAE. Her practice focuses on patent and trademark work with a particular interest in litigation and regional portfolio management for her clients. Maria has advised several multinational clients on their enforcement issues throughout the region, combining a holistic and multi-tiered approach to solve complex infringement issues. Maria is a member of INTER, APA, APLA, AP, ECTA and other leading IP associations. She has spoken at IAC and other international conferences and authored papers in various IP publications. Maria is also an adjunct professor at LUMS, Sussol, where she introduced a course on intellectual property law, competition law and startup law. United Trademark and Patent Services is a leading firm of lawyers and consultants specializing in intellectual property, IP, rights and issues. The firm has been serving its global and regional clients in more than 196 jurisdictions worldwide with quality services that have won it the leading position it holds today in this specialized field of law. The firm's services include searching, filing, prosecution, registration, licensing, franchising, transfer of technology, arbitration, dispute resolution, enforcement and litigation, anti-counterfeiting, due diligence link, etc. With a heritage dating back to over 70 years, UTPS is a reliable and well-established specialist firm in laws relating to IP in the Middle East, Africa, and South Asia. By persistently keeping pace with new technologies, changes in the law, know-how, etc., 
the firm is well-placed to advise on strategies for protecting knowledge, vision, and ideas. The firm continues to be named as one of the best IP firms by various legal publications every year. Excellence in work has won the firm a leading position in this specialized field of law with leading Fortune 500 companies in the firm's portfolio. The firm covers the following jurisdictions. Middle East and Africa, Bahrain, Djibouti, Ethiopia, Algeria, Libya, Egypt, Jordan, Lebanon, Morocco, Oman, Qatar, Kuwait, Tunisia, Saudi Arabia, Tanzania, Tanganyika, Zanzibar, United Arab Emirates, Iraq, GCC, OPI, Arapo. South Asia, Pakistan, Afghanistan, India, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Nepal, Bhutan. Page 78 and 79. Article. Working Women and the COVID-19 Pandemic, A Perspective from the Middle East. Written by Maria Khan, Senior Partner at United Trademark and Patent Services, Dubai, United Arab Emirates. www.utmps.com. Maria Khan is a senior partner at UTMS, one of the foremost IP law firms in the MENA region. She is also a mother to a two-year-old and a six-year-old which has presented her with unique challenges during this pandemic. It has been a tough couple of years for the entire world. With COVID-19 restrictions on travel and work as well as continuous school closures, our daily lives have been turned upside down. One could argue that working mothers have been the most badly hit in this crisis. There is news that women, especially those who are also primary caregivers to children, have left careers in droves. Due to intermittent childcare and the high emotional and physical cost of parenting, women have simply been unable to keep afloat in both ships simultaneously. The COVID-19 pandemic has exposed and exacerbated something all of us working mothers knew for a long time, women's unpaid labor runs households, and society has yet to figure out an equitable division of the same. Moreover, the need for support for working mothers was starkly outlined as millions of households scramble to make it work during intermittent and unplanned school closures. Having worked in a leadership position in the MENA region for more than a decade, I have concluded that the challenges of being a working woman in IPR, in general, not exclusive to the region or, in fact, to the field of IP law. Many of the challenges women face in the Middle Eastern IP arena are the same as those faced elsewhere. Although some challenges may be unique to the region, there are also specific positives that are unique to this part of the world, such as a close-knit nuclear and extended family unit that provides invaluable support. Although the Middle East may be seen as a traditional society by many in the West, my experience of working here does not support that viewpoint. In fact, when often asked by my Western colleagues as to how I deal with the challenge of being a woman in a leadership role in a male-dominated society, I often answer that all societies are male-dominated, even in the West, we are far from a utopian ideal of equality of gender, and thus the challenges faced in the Middle East may seem extreme when viewed with a cultural lens but in reality, stem from the same misogyny that they do in the West. Throughout my legal career, I have been lucky enough to find male and female mentors who have always encouraged me and not shied away from putting a woman in the driving seat. This is one thing that women need to seek out often, role models in the leadership space who have their back. People who trust that you will get the work done even if you have to leave early for school pickup, 
Bosses who don't judge your competence and ability by FaceTime alone and colleagues who include you in unscheduled discussions even if you are working remotely. As the world transitions to working remotely, there is perhaps an opportunity for more traditional leaders to see that allowing the same for working parents might lead to better efficiency. While firms may have been reluctant to grant mothers this flexibility based simply on their dual role as caregivers, they may now be more amenable to the same, having experienced it by force. However, just the flexibility of working from home will not increase female participation in the workforce. Parenting is a laborious, time-consuming, all-encompassing task. If society requires a new generation to be reared in order to carry on civilization, it must provide ways and means to make it fulfilling for the women on whose shoulders this task squarely falls onto. In Dubai, where I live and work, caregiving is an extremely expensive endeavor. Subsidization for child care, schools and other activities leads to much larger participation by women in the workforce, as seen in certain Nordic countries. On the other hand, due to the close-knit nature of extended and nuclear families in this part of the world, one may find support. However, such support is intermittent and also diminishing due to the increasingly cosmopolitan nature of the region. In this region, I have seen that while women lawyers, in general, may prefer the intellectual property law field over others, within that field, women shy away from litigation or any other roles that require more public interaction and unpredictable hours, such as enforcement. While interacting with the public and government officials as a female is not the issue per se, the unpredictability of work becomes a problem for someone also looking after a family. Thus, changes need to be made in these areas to ensure that equal opportunities are given to women. This requires deep structural changes, which the pandemic may have inadvertently begun. Some courts in this region, for instance, worked fully well online or with only written submissions and no in-person hearings, something that was a boon for me personally when I was stuck at home during lockdown without any childcare. Business travel is another area where IP lawyers are expected to do more than your average attorney. As a lawyer based in Dubai pre-pandemic, I was on the road at least six to eight times a year on long-haul flights. My six-year-old has famously attended every single in-person interconference that has happened since she was born. In the three years since we have effectively carried out networking online, I have come to realize the sheer torture I put myself through attending back-to-back -back meetings whilst coming back to my hotel room in the middle of the day to feed an infant. While the nature of business travel has probably changed for the entire world, now that we willingly and expectantly re-enter networking in person, special consideration should be given to working parents to make the task attractive. Otherwise, I'm afraid we will never again see the vast droves of people at each conference as we have been used to in the past. Evening the playing field does not mean judging women by the same criteria as men. It requires structural change and planning such that women can carry out the tasks assigned to them to the best of their abilities. The reward to our field and society for this inclusion will only be apparent once such changes are implemented across the board. However, one thing is for sure no field has ever been harmed by being more diverse and inclusive. Same page. Half-page advertisement. Mark Inventa Intellectual Property Services. Your intellectual property agent in Eastern Europe and Asia. European Patent and Trademark Attorneys. 
trademarks, patents, assignment, industrial designs, opinions, oppositions, patent annuities, renewal designs, renewal trademarks. Contact details. Mark Inventico. Limited. Intellectual Property Services. Glinska Yulika 14. 1000 Ljubljana. Slovenia. Phone, plus 386-1426-650,3. Fax, plus 386-12,5,1,050,8. Phone, plus 386-1540-433,1. Fax, plus 386-1524-311,8. Email, office at mark-inventa.si. Website, www.mark-inventor.com Page 80. Article. Sri Lanka. Enforcement and protection against the unauthorized disclosure of undisclosed information under the Intellectual Property Act, No. 36 of 2003 of Sri Lanka. www.juliusandcreasy.com Written by Anomi Wainagaskra, partner, and Sabira Sheriff, associate, at Julius and Creasy, Sri Lanka. Lord Denning once said, he who has received information in confidence shall not take unfair advantage of it. Point one. Modern-day competition is lessening the values of generations, and these conservative principles are readily ignored in today's business world. Even in such backdrop, Sri Lanka, as an initiative conforming to Article 39 of the TRIPS Agreement, has given statutory protection against acts of unauthorized disclosure, acquisition or use of undisclosed information through the Intellectual Property Act, no. 36 of 2003, IP Act, in addition to common law remedies. What is undisclosed information? The IP Act defines that if any information is not, as a body or in the precise configuration and assembly of its components, generally known among, or readily accessible to, persons within the circles that normally deal with the kind of information in question, it has actual or potential commercial value because it is secret, and it has been subject to reasonable steps by the rightful holder to keep it a secret such would be considered undisclosed. Technical information related to the manufacture of goods or the provision of services, or business information that includes the internal information that an enterprise has developed to be used within the enterprise, shall be considered undisclosed information. Two. What if one discloses, acquires, or uses any undisclosed information without the authority of the right holder? Any act or practice, in the course of industrial or commercial activities, that results in the disclosure, acquisition or use by others of undisclosed information without the consent of the person lawfully in control of that information and in a manner contrary to honest commercial practices shall constitute an act of unfair competition. Three. Disclosure, acquisitions and use of undisclosed information may take different and varying forms for and the IP Act has recognized certain examples of such instances. I. Industrial or commercial espionage. 2 breach of contract. 3. Breach of confidence. 4. Inducement to commit any of the acts referred to in subparagraph I, to 3, or v. Acquisition of undisclosed information by a third party who knows or was grossly negligent in failing to know that an act referred to in subparagraph I, to 4, was involved in the acquisition, enforcement of civil remedies.
In a civil action instituted in the Commercial High Court of Colombo, the court may grant ex-party or inter-party injunctive relief depending on the circumstances restraining a person directly or indirectly inter alia making use or disclosing to any party or further acquiring any undisclosed slash confidential information slash commercially sensitive business information belonging to the right holder obtained from the right holder without the consent or authority. It is also noteworthy that the court may award damages for loss suffered due to such act slash s. Recognition by courts. In an instance, a person who had developed a particular device was a subject of an integrated circuit layout design application at the Sri Lanka Intellectual Property Office. It was discovered that the said device, given with confidence to the defending party, had been forced open, and all the internal components within the device were also forced open. The technology had been inspected and an action filed alleging that there was an imminent threat that the defending party would either make use or disclose the undisclosed slash confidential slash commercially sensitive business information regarding the functionality of the said device. Five in such a case, the courts were inclined to issue an interim injunction against the defending party. Actions filed against ex-employees who are found to be gaining an unfair advantage through the use of the ex-employer's confidential-slash-undisclosed information or commercially sensitive business information bound by confidentiality clauses in employment agreements are very common at present. Courts have been inclined to grant interim relief in preventing the continuance of such acts wherever appropriate. Six. Common Law Remedies The protection accorded unfair competition is in addition to and not in derogation of any common law rights.7. Criminal liability. Any person who willfully and without lawful authority discloses any undisclosed information shall be guilty of an offence and shall on conviction after trial before a magistrate be liable to a fine or to imprisonment for a term not exceeding six months or to both such fine and imprisonment.8. The IP Act has also made provision regarding unlawful disclosure of information relating to patents and accordingly any person who being or having been employed in or at the office communicates any information relating to patents or matters connected therewith obtained by him during the course of his employment in or at the office to any person not entitled or authorized to receive such information, or discloses such information to the public or makes any other unlawful use of such information shall be guilty of an offense, and shall on conviction after trial before a magistrate be liable to a fine or to imprisonment or to both such fine and such imprisonment. 9. Conclusion The legal framework in Sri Lanka for the protection and enforcement of undisclosed information under the IP Act of Sri Lanka could be considered effective regarding the reaction of the system of justice in according to protection and enforcing right holders' rights. Page 81 Women's IP World Annual 2022. Industry Services, Profiles and Articles. Sponsored by Lex Orbis Intellectual Property Attorneys in India and Patent Seekers, the Global IP Searchers in the United Kingdom. Page 82. Advertisement. Patent Seekers, the Global IP Searchers. Specialist global search services for patent attorneys, universities, technology companies, and SMEs. Services. Patentability slash novelty search. Infringement slash FTO slash clearance. Invalidity slash patent busting. State of the art. Patent mapping slash landscapes. 
Patent Monitoring Patent Status Competitor Analysis Head Office Newport, UK Telephone Number Plus 44-01633-816-601 Email Mail at PatentSeekers.com North America Office Toronto, Canada Telephone Number Plus 1 416-847-7309 Email na at patentseekers.com Website www.patentseekers.com Page 83, 84 and 85 Article The United Kingdom Disclaimer All images, graphs and reference links relating to this article can only be seen in the print and digital versions of this publication. Does climate change, and its effects, differentiate between gender? Written by Claire Gibson, Senior Patent Analyst at Patent Seekers, UK. www.patentseekers.com Author Bio-Claire Gibson is a Senior Patent Analyst at Patent Seekers. She has a degree in physics from Cardiff University which she achieved after looking for a change of direction in career. Claire works on the physics and mechanical team carrying out a wide variety of searches for companies worldwide. Climate change. It will affect us all, humans, land animals, marine life, and plant species. From the micro to the macro, a warming planet has the potential to dramatically alter the world as we know it in a potentially devastating way. Just how much the Earth's temperature will rise inevitably depends entirely on us. We have an opportunity, a fundamental responsibility, to act now to limit rising temperatures before it is too late before the damage is irreversible. The Paris Agreement, drawn up at 21 Colombian pesos in 2015, saw 196 world parties approve the adoption of the agreement, which came into force in 2016. The goal of the agreement is to limit global warming to below 2 degrees Celsius, preferably to 1.5 degrees Celsius, by reaching a global peaking of greenhouses gas emissions as soon as possible to achieve a climate-neutral world by the mid-century one. The agreement requires economic and social transformation, based on the best available science, where continuous analysis and modeling are needed to ensure a country's individual nationally determined contributions, NDCs, are relevant and achievable. It recognizes that action should be global and that each country is affected differently. In order to combat climate change, diversity in plans and actions is required, especially where such plans necessitate consistent updating and remodeling. An overarching approach is required globally to limit climate change, however, bespoke considerations are likely to be vital within more local geographical scales. For example, we know lower elevation areas, such as some small islands in Asia, may suffer a total land loss due to rising sea levels. We know hotter temperatures significantly affect our ability to function optimally on a daily basis and contributes to devastating destruction through wildfires. And we also know some areas will suffer increasing droughts, which directly correlates with catastrophic effects to life in such areas and expands desert areas. We are also aware that changes in climate and increasing adverse weather events are directly contributing to a global rise in hunger and poor nutrition as crops and livestock become less productive. Essentially the effect of global warming changes the climate in ways that threaten all life on the planet. 
Considering such effects, this poses the question, does climate change, and its effects, differentiate between gender? The Paris Agreement notes climate change is a common concern of humankind. Within the agreement, there is an acknowledgement to focus action addressing climate change with considerations on areas such as human rights, the rights of indigenous people, people with disabilities, people in vulnerable situations, as well as consideration and promotion of gender equality, empowerment of women and intergenerational equity too, where parties to the agreement must follow a country-driven, gender-responsive approach as noted in Articles 7 and 11, marking gender recognition a core element of any climate action. In addition, each party, each country, to the agreement, are, or should, ensure gender equality and women empowerment are considered central in all NDCs, where the implementation of such gender considerations are reported on in each party's biennial transparency report, BTR, and subsequently picked up every five years during the United Nations Global Stop Date to ensure the gender equality and women's empowerment components of climate change are actually being met Three. From such statements within articles of the Paris Agreement, we can unequivocally derive that the United Nations have recognized the implications of climate change will have differing consequences for different groups of people, whether groups are diverse in abilities, background, race, and gender. How exactly does the impact of climate change differ between genders and what are the gender dimensions to consider? Climate change will undoubtedly have a more significant impact on those most reliant on natural resources for their livelihoods, along with those who have the least capacity to respond to natural hazards. Poverty greatly increases the impact of climate change. Unfortunately, it is reported the majority of the world's people in poverty are women for, meaning women generally face higher risks and greater burdens from the impacts of climate change within situations of poverty. In terms of inequalities within the decision-making process within such impoverished areas, women are generally excluded, thus, climate action planning and policy-making carry a predominantly male bias. Women who live in poverty, especially in particular countries, tend to also have less access to fundamental human rights thus cannot freely move and acquire land, they face systematic violence, which unfortunately only escalates during periods of instability 5, including climate change implications. To address some of the inequality, the Green Climate Fund introduced finance mechanisms to mainstream gender perspectives from the outset of its operations as an essential decision-making element for the deployment of resources 6. All grant applications to the Green Climate Fund must detail how women will be incorporated into any proposed climate action program. Similarly, the International Fund for Agricultural Development promotes gender equality in at least 75% of all projects and programs undertaken 7. Due to the recognition of such climate change inequalities, gender and other mentioned inequalities, people are increasingly speaking out on climate change. It's inspiring to see women are increasingly speaking up, alongside their male counterparts, to give a voice to the people being misrepresented. Notable activists such as Greta Thunberg and Vanessa Nackert are spurring a global environmental movement to encourage equal climate change. They call out big businesses and government officials on their failings to act. They are speaking up for women, people of all ages and genders, and insisting changes be made now without any excuses. 
Another notable female voice heard during the Paris Agreement was Christina Figures, who has also been part of a new partnership between TED and Future Stewards, which aims to impasse any progress blocking climate change 8. And women in some of the aforementioned impoverished countries, such as Kenya and India, are working to improve their local communities by adopting sustainable practices 5. However, despite the agreements, the funding clauses and the independent organizations promoting gender inclusion within climate change action, the Gender Composition Report, published yearly by the United Nations Secretariat to support parties to attain a gender-balanced, gender-sensitive climate policy, it appears changes in such gender balance are inconsistent, varying annually. In 2021, three out of 16 constituted UN bodies reported achieving a gender-balance goal, where only two of these bodies reported equal representation in their top women and men positions. In contrast, the other body reported a 63% female representation 9. Whilst it seems apparent gender-responsive projects along with gender-driven climate finance are being promoted and utilized, it does also appear that the overall bias and representation remains unequal. We have yet to achieve parity of gender within all decision-making processes, implementations and projects, which makes one question, if climate change action requires relatively fast action, will gender equality actually be met? We must remember women who will face higher impacts of global change, particularly women in poverty, in countries where the land is relied on for crops, livestock etc. Still, there are groups of people, a diverse range of people, in all countries, poor or wealthy, which will face imminent threats, hardship, loss of livelihoods and potential loss of life due to the impacts of climate change. Climate change is universal. Everyone, every animal, every plant, every region of the world will be impacted, with many of us already seeing the effects of climate change. With changing weather patterns such as periods of unusual heatwave activity, torrential floods, freak storms, many of us can already observe the effects of the rising sea levels along our national coasts. However, there is almost a duality, or an inequality, to such universal effects, a contradiction, as it is clear whilst we will all observe and feel the impact of climate change, some of us will, unfortunately, be impacted much higher than others. It is not just genders we need to consider, the world is a diverse place, people are diverse, population densities range from country to country. The effects will not be universally equal to all and will affect us in various ways. We certainly need to make a change today to prevent, to limit, the rising temperatures before it is too late. Page 86. Advertisement. Women's IP World Annual 2023. Join the industry's number one annual publication celebrating the works and achievements of women working in IP, IP law and innovation. Profiles. Accolades. Experience. Ranking. Articles. Achievements. Knowledge share. Available in print, digital and audio format. Listen on Spotify, Audible, Podomatic, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts. Reserve your position in the Women's IP World Annual 2023 before the 1st of June to qualify for a 30% discount on our profile and editorial packages. Discount code WIPW23-30%. Contact plus 44-0203-813-0457 or email 
info at womensipworld.com. Sponsored by Lexorbis in India and Patent Seekers in the United Kingdom. www.womensipworld.com Page 87. Inside Back Cover Advertisement. Santiago Mediano Abogados. We support creators. We support those who create ideas, products, and companies. We support intellectual, cultural, innovative, and rich ideas. Area of practice. Trademarks slash designs slash patents. Copyrights slash domain names. IP portfolio strategy, filing, prosecution and management. Oppositions. Cancellations. Licensing and agreements. Enforcement slash unfair competition. Litigation slash alternative dispute resolution. Anti-counterfeiting. Sectors. Fashion, retail and consumer, media, entertainment and sports, tourism, Sylvia Hernandez, founding partner, acknowledged by WTR 1000, Chambers and Partners and IP Stars, contact, Campoamor, 18, 28,000 and for Madrid, Spain, tell, plus 34, 913, S. Hernandez at SantiagoMediano.com Page 88. Outside Back Cover Advertisement Patworld is an innovative and cost-effective patent search tool developed by specialists to meet the needs of industry. The core of Patworld centers around an intuitive search form providing you with all the tools required to extract and analyze the results you need from over 115 million index patent documents covering multiple territories and languages. We have drawn on over 100 years of combined patent searching experience to develop tools and features that allow you to achieve the most from your searches. Simple to use, customize view, save search history, share folders, language translation tool, flexible payment options. Email for further info. Your access to the world of patents. Search 115 plus million patent documents. Head Office UK. Email sales at patworld.com North America office email sales na at patworld.com visit our website to find out more about our innovative and cost-effective patent search tool at www.patworld.com thank you for listening to the women's ip world annual 2022 we hope that you have enjoyed our annual publication If you would like to be part of the Women's IP World Annual 2023, contact info at womensipworld.com or call us on plus 440203-813-0457. Contact us before the 1st of June 2022 to take advantage of the 30% discount offer on all editorial and branding packages. We look forward to working with you all.